Hello, and welcome back to True Crime Guys Podcast. I'm Michael, and Andy finally left us, guys. He finally left us. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a while. He's not here in the studio. Uh, so yeah, there will be no show this week. No, I'm kidding. Um, there will be a show this week, but Andy really is not in the studio. He's on vacation. He's in California. So if you're out that way, uh, actually, hit, hit us up on uh, Twitter. True Crime Guys on Twitter. Andy is running that now. And uh, I think he, uh, he put up a tweet the other day asking for some recommendations to do while he is in uh, the L.A. area. I'm sure there's like a bajillion things to do. I don't know why you need recommendations. to just like point and look and then go in that direction, right? Probably tons of shit to do. But anyways, uh, in his absence, we thought that we would let you guys listen to our very first ever Patreon exclusive. Andy and I, that is. Obviously not for True Crime Guys. But me and Andy's first Patreon exclusive on Butch Cassidy where uh, we even dressed up. We even wore cowboy hats. Andy actually went for the whole the whole outfit. He was sweating bullets, no pun intended, for the Butch Cassidy episode. And uh, yeah, he absolutely killed it. And it was, it was a really fun episode. You can catch that in video form. It has been released on our YouTube. And uh, But before we get into that, guys, real quick, I want to let you guys know about another show that we think you'll love, Live, Laugh, Larceny Podcast. We're going to run a promo for them. And guys, don't forget as well that we have other shows here on TCG Network, uh, Sandu Stories, Strange and Unexplained. You can catch those. And always, there's more TCG content at patreon.com slash Guys. All right, so check out this promo, guys, then we'll get into the show. Do you find crime podcasts to be a little too murdery? Then take a break from all things heavy and get petty. Join us, Amanda and Trevin, as we share killer facts, dreadful dilemmas, and tell real-life petty crime stories in the style of an audio drama. There, sprayed all over the aisle floor in eight display wigs, was a fresh pile of poo. Listen to Live Laugh Larceny on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Not bad, not bad for your first right. time, Andy. That was a pretty damn good party creeper. Right, got the good timing. I think we harmonized yeah. pretty well. <laughs> I think we did. It was <laughs> like we're sitting around a campfire to singing songs, <laughs> harmonizing. <laughs> we are harmonizing. Or... We are we are harmonizing. We're we're matching in attire somewhat. Like I said, all you Andy went all out. You needed a banjo to sit here and just pick, pluck it away, telling yeah, the story. Yeah, that, telling a good old because telling the story is not hard enough. Yeah, tell a fireside need... <laughs> story. Just, let me tell you guys. Let me tell you creepers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But guys, seriously, I want to thank you guys, everyone who's on Patreon especially, uh, for sticking with us through all this transition period and um, through us getting on a new schedule. We're recording at a different time today. Usually we record, or our plan for the future is to record TCG proper on the Thursday before it comes out. So we have six days to produce the episode and, you know, add things or whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, But it got pushed back today, so it's Friday night. We're recording. And after this, we're going to do JTB, where we have some special announcements for future JTBs that we are very excited about. Yeah, we had to, we had to push a few things back, guys. Remember, uh, now that L- Michael has taken over doing a lot of the timeline stuff, we're also on a Patreon episode week, and we're also on Sandu Stories Yeah, it's week. like a perfect so, storm this week. Uh, you know, where Michael and I normally have our, our time together to work on Sandu Stories, Michael has been devoted well, to a lot of this as well. I have yeah. been really stressed about being a new co-host, and things have gotten... 
I, I dropped the ball a little bit on the writing as well. well <laughs> it got a little it got a little down on my list, but <laughs> that's all right. We're, I was, we're getting better. We're getting I was better. getting I was getting there. I'm learning. I'm learning. That's okay? right. That's right. Listen, it's a different dynamic. It's a different dynamic, it's, folks. <laughs> <laughs> that's a phrase you're going to hear probably a lot lately <laughs> because you, Andy likes to say it. Um, <laughs> Until you hate it. <laughs> Until you hate it, because that is that's the way he describes the new TCG. He's like, yeah, it's a different dynamic. That's what he's <laughs> that's what he's been telling people that that listen. Uh, and then now they're you know either satisfied or dissatisfied with the way the show's going. It doesn't matter. But yeah, I'm just gonna. I just want Kristen to keep hearing that in her head all the time. <laughs> like, I know it's a. Di- <laughs> We're just gonna start playing you in slow motion. It's a different dynamic. <laughs> just just zoom in on your face every time. <laughs> yeah, just Kristen will start doing like the Lady Gaga thing she did last time. Just start yeah sound different every time yeah that's right and if you're well speaking of youtube if you're not listening if you're not watching this on youtube uh you should because me and andy uh dress for the occasion yeah guys Look patreon andy. patreon episodes we're rocking a little bit more handkerchief uh, a freaking cowboy hat yeah uh, man we're getting a, a little bit more getting a little bit more theatrical Sheesh. and a bit more engaged with our patreon lessons yeah. right here guys and i wore a hat and assless chaps no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be asked by the end of this episode <laughs> probably because this timeline is is quite lengthy um mm. as you can imagine i mean butch cassidy right um an american legend an american hero it's like it's one of those timelines where you could literally work on it forever yeah literally like the, the what was like the last great american outlaw kind of deal yeah yeah, yeah. i mean you can, and like i said there's and then there's so many stories and then once you think you have his timeline down then you go and study some more and then you start plugging in alternate timelines and alternate ways that situations went and he may have traveled to south america here or idaho here and you know it just becomes this crazy this crazy web of information but what we did throw together was a fun episode about butch cassidy and hopefully quite informative because Mm -hmm. i read one book and then I took, um, I read a lot of cliff notes from another book, and you can't help but biographies getting uh, referenced in everything that you research. I swear to God, every member of Butch's family wrote a biography. Absolutely. Are, Wouldn't you if your last name was Cassidy at this point? That's true. None of them were named Cassidy. Actually. Oh, yeah, that's true. That, that, yeah, that's the ironic that's, part about it. Um, and maybe that's why they had to, is because they didn't have that Cassidy they name Yeah, they didn't to, have to any recognition. Because he yeah. was like, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you guys anymore. Well, I, mean, Cass- I don't want to be tied to you guys. And then I got famous, and now they're all like, well, we, we want to be tied to you. How right, can we, right. Can we, can we kind of come on a little bit? Well, the pro- the problem is, like most American outlaws, uh, his name was just an alias. Mm-hmm. So all of his family members were actually last name Parker, and then he had you know he had thirteen siblings or twelve siblings, which we'll get into, and a lot of them were girls. So when they married off, their names all changed. True. Yeah. So you know he has a bunch of nieces and nephews and great nieces and nephews and stuff um, that wrote different books and stuff. So it's everybody's got their own their own way of doing this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what we talked about, uh, we were talking about JTB earlier, mm-hmm. right? So we're gonna, you're actually going to hear JTB 100 before this is released. But on JTB 101, we are going to do the live Q&A. Okay? That's right, guys, on YouTube. Yes, it's going to on be YouTube. Live streamed YouTube, uh, JTB. Mm-hmm. We want as many of you guys to, to get in there, to shoot, our, shoot the comments back and forth. We want to get a, right. a real like uh, discussion going on there. And we want to see how that starts to work. We want to see if we can start getting some people engaged and possibly doing that more often. So, yeah, yeah it's, we're going to try it out with JTB first and see how well that goes. Thursday, March 2nd, mm-hmm. um, in the afternoon, we will. I'll put up a post on Patreon with the specific time and the link to the Q&A. Mm-hmm. Um, or Andy will. One of us will. You guys will know where it is. But it is taking place Thursday, March 2nd. That is next uh, Thursday. If you're here, actually, it's tomorrow <laughs> when you're hearing this. 
Yeah, um, true. As you're hearing this on March first, if you're hearing this on March first when it was released, it's tomorrow. We're doing a live Q and A uh, on Patreon for five dollars and up patrons. So if you're there, hang out with us, talk with us, get to know Andy a little bit better. It's going to be fun. Yeah. All right. So by the time you're actually seeing this video, you'll probably already know that we're doing a JTB episode because we're probably have to post it before then. So exactly. This is just a reminder for you at this point. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. And then uh, one more order of business before we get started. I want to thank Yasinia Pineda on Patreon. Like I said, I am taking the next two months are full of Patreon or patron recommendations. So your voices are being heard. You will hear your cases, especially if I've responded to you. I responded. I put up a uh, post about a week ago asking for suggestions and I replied to a lot of people and told them about when their case would be. If I replied to you, we are doing your case. It is coming up, so be patient. The people have spoken. We have listened. That's right. So, Yasinia, here it is. Here's Butch Cassidy. And here's a line from uh, the book Butch Cassidy, a biography written by Richard Patterson, which I, this is not the book that I read, but I will quote this book quite a bit because he had some really good quotes. He says, few criminals have reaped as much goodwill in life and death as Cassidy. That's, that's a pretty good quote. Pretty yeah, good quote. It kind of has that gives the whole Robin Hood vibe that he kind of also gives off. It kind of leaves that mystery of like outlaw or hero. It, it and, does. So. And I have to, I mean, I'm just going to say right off, I think he was overall a good guy. He done some bad things, but I think his heart was pure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Bad actions, but pure heart. Yeah. What did we talk about I the don't last? Know. It's, it's uh, weird, but it, it, you know. Like it's like TCG a few episodes ago talked about being in the Wild West. It was like, yeah, you kind of like to survive in the Wild yeah. West. You kind of had to do some shitty things sometimes. Yeah, like there was a lot of semi outlaws, you know. Yeah, everybody People wasn't who, just helping their neighbors out all the time, and everybody like it yeah. was, you know. Oh, you found a what? You found a cow out there? Didn't have a brand? That's your cow now. That's just yeah, uh, yeah, so, yeah. We're gonna talk about cattle stealing ooh, quite yeah. a bit. Quite a cows. bit. Quite a bit. Before we get into old Butch Cassidy here. Though I want to, uh, I want to share a fun fact for you guys. This is this is an outlaw who is otherwise unrelated to Butch Cassidy, other than he acted, you know, he was active in this time. Okay, his name was Tom Ketchum. Tom Ketchum was an outlaw born in San Saba. San Saba. San Saba Songbird. San, well, like Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah. San Saba. And he was active around the same time as Butch and the Wild Bunch, um, Blackjack, as they called him. Jack Create- Black. No, no, it's just, it's the opposite, actually. I didn't even think about that. Jack Black? I didn't even, Jack Black didn't even come in my mind when I said Blackjack, because, you know, Blackjack's already a thing. Oh, it is? Can you explain this to me? I've never heard about this before. Anyways, Blackjack, as they called him, created a little train-robbing posse of his own with his brother Sam Ketchum and others. But the reason we even bring up Tom today is to help you understand the seriousness that was train-robbing in the Wild West, okay? This was no slap-on-the-wrist crime. Yeah. In the latter half of the 19th century, it carried the penalty of death. No yep. joke. Like, if, if they knew you robbed a train, if they just got word of mouth you robbed a train and they found you, gallows. That's, and that's not that's, that's whether or not anybody got hurt in the train robbery. You no. Could walk, you could walk in there, not fire a shot, and just walk out that's there by right. stuff. Yep, still. Exactly. And foreshadowing, our buddy here, Blackjack, or Tom Ketchum, received a death sentence in 1901 for felonious assault on a train, okay? And he did nothing. The assault was literally just on the train. He, like, <laughs> blew off the doors, and yeah. no one got hurt. No one got hurt. No one. Yeah, that doesn't mean, like, um, on a train two people. It was on the train. Like, I didn't yeah. know you could get charged with that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but here's the crazy part. By the time he was hanged, he had put on so much weight during the trials that his head actually popped off. <laughs> it made that sound. It Sorry. did, probably. 
Yeah, it had so much weight behind it, man. It's just like I a mean, pumpkin. That's crazy. I looked at if you look him up on Wikipedia, or we probably got a picture of him on the screen if you're on YouTube, and he's not a big fella. So I don't know how long these proceedings were. I don't know. Maybe they just fed fed him like crazy in prison. <laughs> I don't know. Like, how did you put on this much weight? I like, just feel like maybe they just didn't have the right hangman back then like, in this area because like there was a time when like hanging was a science. Like, well, he bought the, a good rope. Yeah, true. It's like yeah, yeah. Hangman was like a science. It was an art form. It the right size rope, the yeah. right length, the right dropped for the person. What did you just have like a substitute in that day I, or something? <laughs> Dude, the guy was like, "Oh man, yeah, Greg's it. Greg's sick. Anybody else get this? Yeah, I'll get him." Is that a chain? Don't I, worry about it. <laughs> I feel like they could have like just tied it like his legs together at the knees and just leaned him forward. Yeah, and it probably would have killed him, right? Just just lean forward for us, there, uh, Blackjack. Yeah, let's just go. Yeah, <laughs> I think point. that'll I think that'll handle you all right. But yeah, I thought that would be a, you know a fun little uh, gory detail to start this episode since yeah. it it is otherwise somewhat wholesome. You this know? could have we, we don't get a lot of killing. So this could have been Butch. It could it could have been Butch. Butch weighed 155 pounds. I seriously doubt it. But been on that rope. Put it on that rope. All right, guys, let's roll the intro. Let's get into this thing. Butch Cassidy. The audacity. Butch Cassidy. I like wonder what it is. <laughs> you gave away the illusion. <laughs> I wonder what it could be. I have six days to do an intro after we record. I, I have no idea. I'm not even thinking about that right now. <laughs> Especially not now that I have to write the timelines. All right, but let's get into Butch Cassidy. That's not about me, okay? Butch Cassidy, born Robert Leroy Parker, was an American outlaw and leader of the Wild Bunch, which was a collection of bank and train robbers who ranged, who ranged through the western United States through 1880s and the, and the 90s. 
Not to be confused with the other Wild Bunch, because there right. are two. We will get to that. Yes, Doolin Dalton's uh, crew was also called the Wild Bunch. Yeah. Um, and actually, a lot of people say that's where Butch got the name. I mean, you know. I, I think that's probably a pretty good act, like pretty sincerest good form idea. of flattery, right? I mean, yeah, he was like, well, that's deal. a good name. Why don't we just use that? It's exactly. Not like, it's not like Billy the Kid's gang. It's just the Wild Bunch. That's just a, we're wild. Exactly. A bunch of us. <laughs> exactly. So almost as interesting as Butch's story is the time in which he was born into. So let's back up a little bit and let's go in. I mean, let's just set the stage for when Butch Cassidy was born. Okay, in the mid 19th century, the area of Utah was somewhat of a war zone. Regardless of who you were, somebody was out to get you. If yeah. you were Mormon, the Gentile Christians hated you, and the natives didn't trust you. True. But between the Ute tribes and the Mormons in particular, that area was getting quite hostile. Oh, yeah. The Mormons didn't come in there. They were given the land, but once again, there was yeah. already people on the land. Exactly. <laughs> so had to do that whole exactly. rigmarole again. Like and they were, still, they were still uh, fighting with the U.S. government, too. So, yeah. I mean, they, the Mormons didn't get along with anybody at this time. No. But the Ute tribes and the Mormons in the area hated each other. Well, hell, even other native tribes, though, hated the Utes, to be fair. <laughs> uh, nobody liked the Utes, Utes either. Utes assholes over there. Okay. <laughs> they were one of the most violent, but also one of the most profitable and successful tribes, though. Which, well, yeah. That makes sense, right? They conquer shit. Yeah, I mean, it's like the saviors in The Walking Dead. It's like, well, yeah, you're taking, you got the most profit. You're killing everybody and taking half That's the right. shit. <laughs> right. And th but thank God, the other tribes in the area, like the Utes, or like the Paiute tribe, rather, were a lot more cooperative, okay? They were a peaceful, cooperative tribe that traded with local colonies and got along well, even with the American government, believe hmm. it or not. Were they also as uh, cooperative with the Mormon government as well? Like the Mormon they churches were. as well? They were for a while, yeah. And hmm. the Mormons fucked that up, but we'll get to that. <laughs> the Mormons fucked that up. So just to recap, Ute, aggressive, hostile, territorial. Paiute, peaceful, friendly, cooperative. Remember, P for Paiute, P for peaceful. There you <laughs> go. That's how you can remember it. The Paiute, peaceful. It's the like, Paiute, what was the... the peaceful Paiutes. It reminds me of the Ace Ventura, the Wachutu and the Wachiti. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's very the, confusing. Very confusing, but very very similar in this situation. It's like, one, it's, very aggressive right now. One, yeah. very peaceful. Yeah. Don't it's steal their like bat. That. It's kind of like that. Just don't steal their bat. But the Paiute tribe, they got picked on by everybody, honestly. The Utes were even known to capture Paiute tribe members and sell them into slavery. Or use them for God knows what else. Yeah. Um, the Utes would, they would just troll everybody, though. They would also stare into the windows of white-owned houses and taunt the residents. <laughs> they were just trolls, man. They were, they were fucking with everyone that approached their territory. It didn't just matter who it was. Fucking just corpse paint in their face, just staring in the window. Yes, yeah, war paint. Everything, yeah. man, everything. Just, what was the, the Lone Ranger's Tonto guy, like Johnny Depp's character with all the black and white face? Yeah. Just imagine looking in your window at night, just... And they're right outside the window. <laughs> I mean, they are right there. So, obviously, this type of harassment made the Mormons uh, paranoid. I mean, who wouldn't? Um, and as we know, paranoia leads to fear, which eventually leads to rage. Leads to the dark side. That's right. And it caused the Mormons and Gentiles alike to start seeing all natives in the area the same. Those damn Utes, they were ruining it for everybody. They really were. <laughs> Listen, you fucked it up for everybody else, okay? Yeah. And it was easy to get the peaceful Paiutes confused with the warrior Utes. Mm. Especially for a bunch of just uh, white Mormons that just showed up out here. I don't exactly. know they're like... What are you guys? I heard oot. I heard oot. I heard oot. I heard oot in there. <laughs> but on one occasion, the Mormons sent an invitation to the Paiute tribe to attend one of their sermons in town. And it was a strange request, as you could imagine, as many of the Paiutes thought so as well. So the turnout was 
not so great. But some <laughs> some did go. Some Paiutes did go. <laughs> I'm surprised that any went. Just been like, man, I thought more. They, oh man, they said they were going to show up. Oh shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Like five of them show <laughs> like up. Five, like, oh gosh, fuck. Shit. <laughs> but yeah, so the Mormons were pissed about it though. They were insulted, and at this time, everyone in the country was ridiculing Mormons and putting them down. If you ask a Mormon, okay, that's what I'm getting at. They all felt this way. They felt ridiculed. They felt exiled. They felt not wanted. True. Okay. So they were pissed. And instead of being cool about it and being like, wow, some of them actually showed. Some, hey, they, someone showed up. <laughs> some showed. They were like, nah, we got to go get the rest of them because we got to show them our Jesus. No, what, what, do they so, say in the, what do they say in the music industry? You play for who shows up, okay? You yeah, play you for, play who, for show, who shows up. You play for who shows up. I'm sorry the rest of the tribe didn't, but That's you know right. what? Those five, you know what, guys? Potluck. More for well, you. You guys get leftovers. They didn't see it that way because obviously, Andy, that was not their intentions to indoctrinate them. These guys are assholes. Yeah, they didn't care. So they rode to the Paiute village and demanded everyone attend. Okay. And I seriously, Mandatory. I seriously doubt they cared that much about the Paiute souls. Yeah, it's, do you? Yeah, I, they didn't. They didn't care. They I don't care. think. It, I don't think it was out of the goodness of Jesus's love. No, no, I don't think so. And the rest of the tribe uh, was understandably hesitant. And one tribe member even tried to flee into the woods, but was instantly shot and killed. Mm. The remaining members were then tied up and led into town. You going to church. <laughs> you going to church. I said you going to put them Sunday <laughs> shoes on. This is how I felt when my mom made me put on a shirt with buttons when I was a kid. Uh, no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, the same way. Put a, put a tie on. <laughs> yeah. Combing your hair. Yeah, going to church. But the remaining members were then tied up and led into town. And when they arrived, the men were led into the lecture hall, hands tied behind their backs. This is not a good sign. Anytime they're going to separate the men from everyone else, right? Oh, no, While we want the, this to be as uh, this is as friendly as possible, right? Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah very everybody's, friendly. Everybody's happy, feeling that love of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the men were led to the lecture hall, hands tied, like I said, and the women and children were held in a, in a basement nearby. Mm-hmm. Now, the crazy thing is, dude, they actually did... Try to preach to the Paiutes for a little while. I'm sure like, they actually did have like somewhat of a sermon planned, and temporarily, it worked until they realized that the Paiute men were trying to slip out of their ropes, the and they were planning to rush them all at once. Because literally, what other chance do you have? Yeah, and also you don't do, have another chance. Do all the Paiutes speak English? Is that another thing? It's like, are they giving this sermon hmm. in English? Or like, That's a great do you question. guys even know if they understand what you're saying? Or yeah. do you have someone translating this thing? Well, I mean, not? they were trading with them often. Yeah. They had plenty of peaceful interactions with the Paiutes. The Paiutes would come into town. They would trade baked goods for like uh, hand-woven blankets and things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but you got to think that probably the whole tribe doesn't doesn't speak English. You have a oh, few no, guys probably not that the do whole come tribe. in That's and a good trade, point. and you have a few guys who are who do in, in, like instigate yeah. the trading. But like, if you have a, have a whole room full of this entire tribe, and you're preaching to them in English, and you're like, why? Yeah. Well, why aren't they? Why aren't they listening? Why aren't they giving themselves to Christ? It's like they're just hearing the Charlie Brown teacher. Like, what do you yep. think they're doing? They're just exactly. Like, yeah, you guys just keep talking. I'm gonna just keep just scraping this thing against a pew. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But unfortunately, uh, the Paiutes' plan to escape did not work. Like. Mm. At all. They were all gunned down at close range before they could even get out of the building. And then, this, this is god-awful, the, the women and children were then brought out of the basement one by one as a member of the Mormon militia slit their throats. Man, that and sounds the town, super... And the town was all out there. Like, this, this Mormon town was witnessing this. Yeah. And they were just, they didn't even know how to respond. They were just dead quiet. They said... Reports say the town was just quiet 
for the rest of the day. Like, yeah, what do you what? Just they, processing they a massacre, a literal massacre. Yeah, because they weren't witnessing a riot or an attack from the tribe. They weren't witnessing, you know, a, a, a raiding. They weren't party even able to fight in. back. Yeah, they weren't witnessing a raiding party coming in or prisoners being taken. These these nope. people were. They took them from their homes, forced them into a church, and then slaughtered them because they didn't, you know, all of a sudden just submit and become members of the church. Exactly. And, and before you start thinking that Mormons are just awful, this, this actually goes completely against the teachings of, well, at least the East Coast Mormons at the time, mm. who encouraged peaceful relations between Mormons and natives. But apparently out West, they were kind of making their own rules. True. And I think a lot of this, from what I could find, fell on the shoulders of a few of the Mormon leaders. They were very charismatic. They were very uh, overzealous. True. And like I said, they felt like they were getting the raw end of the deal. Yeah, And like, so they were ready to fight, dude. There's a lot of there's a lot of history with the Mormon Church that you can really dive into of them actually yeah. them going out to Utah and getting that land like there we could do a whole episode on the Mormon Church itself oh my God. like yeah. from Joseph Smith to Brigham Young but like and it's a bloody history it is they did not they, like that that church did not grow to the size that it is now just because of membership just coming they they went out they had plenty of battles there was it yeah. was a, tr- a rough trek out to Utah as well hell yeah it was so, hell yeah it was. But this massacre had set the tone in the area and certainly changed the dynamics between Paiutes and Mormons, obviously. It's a different dynamic, folks. Right, if there were any other Paiute tribes around. But so by 1856, the Mormons had control over this little area that no one else seemed to want. Over, (laughs) And they were even deeded the land by the U.S. government for their new state, in which the U.S. government decided to call Ute. (laughs) Aw. <laughs> Utah. I bet they said with, Ute, and someone went, aw. And they're like, yeah. yeah. All right, whatever. Yeah, Utah. we'll go. Whatever. We'll go with that. No, Ute- they did that shit on purpose Aww. because they obvious, it was obviously named after the violent Mormon rivals, the Utes. Yeah. Which was basically just a big fuck you from the U.S. government to the Mormons. Yeah, they also gave them Utah. I mean, Utah to this day is still just Utah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still Utah. Like, I'm sorry if you live in Utah, but I. I'm not that sorry. It's Utah's beautiful, but that's about it. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole lot of pretty nothing. Nice weather. Nice weather. Um, but either way, the Mormons would not forget this, and they had a chip on their shoulder. Now they felt even more chastised and left out and ridiculed for their beliefs, mm. and their first their thirst for revenge was palpable. I like how you just got a whole state for basically free, and you're like, well, that's not enough. That's not enough. We Look don't at want the state, <laughs> right? <laughs> Why didn't you give us Florida? It was almost like when I talk about this next thing they did. It's almost like they were upset that people were coming to their state. They weren't upset that people were coming. They were upset that people were coming and not enjoying their state and yeah. what they had to offer and investing in their economy. Yeah, they weren't coming and instantly being like the Mormon. Fa- the Mormons are doing so well out yeah. here. We should support them. And- exactly. So what they did was they just went in over you know a negative way and was like, oh. Fine, don't come here. We don't want you here then. Unless you're a Mormon. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. So when they got word of a Gentile wagon train that would be passing through Utah, they tried to convince natives, um, Utes, I imagine, uh, to attack the caravan. But when they declined, they decided, hell, we'll just do it ourselves. 
Yeah, right? I'll, We've already massacred one group of people. How hard could it be? Yeah, I, I really want to know which tribe they asked to go. It's like, hey, will you guys go do this for us? Well, it wasn't us? the Paiutes. You would hope not. You better like you better hope. Well, and the other thing was the Utes are the ones who are usually aggressive to you. Yeah. So how are you going to bargain with them? Well, because, be like, well, don't hit us. How about you go hit them? Well, they were trying to tip them off. You yeah. know what I'm saying? They were trying to say, you know, if you go and rob this rag, wagon train, kill these people or whatever, you'll get, you can have everything that they have. Possibly, you yeah. Know, or whatever. But often Native Americans didn't attack wagon trains it was no. just too much trouble and a lot of those were a lot of the wagon trains were mostly just families they were like a lot of just yeah. settlers exactly. and pioneers just going out there exactly. it wasn't a militia riding across the plains yeah you mean the mormon militia <laughs> pretty much which yeah. did ride across the plains and attack a wagon train in mountain meadows the mormon militia attacked and killed 120 gentile travelers the attack was said to have been provoked by some charismatic leaders in the Mormon community. I just imagine them, give me polygamy or give me death. <laughs> right? <laughs> give me lots of bitches or just don't give me bitches. Just don't give me anyone. <laughs> but yeah, because at the time, like I said, uh, Mormons were being attacked by the U.S. government as well as natives, but for different reasons. The U.S. government was attacking them because of their polygamous beliefs, and polygamy was actually illegal. Yeah, uh, in the United States of America, isn't it still? I believe, or in some most of this, most of the country. I think freedom of religion. No, okay, know, I, I really applies. don't know. I'm not, yeah. a, I'm not a doctor. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a veterinarian. I have no fucking idea. <laughs> not a rocket um, scientist. <laughs> but as tragic as it was, this is the very world that Butch Cassidy would enter. Yep. Great start right there. That's right? a great start to life. Just a yeah. bloody plane battle. You're part of these people. Not not as much as you think though. His family were Mormon for convenience, but I'll get I'll get into that more. So Cassidy was the oldest of thirteen children. His parents were Mormon, obviously. Thirteen children. Yeah, and had come to Utah from England in 1856. Okay. Okay. Yep. So he was born Robert Leroy Parker. Leroy. Leroy <laughs> Parker in Beaver, Utah, on April 13th, 1866. He shares a birthday with Ron Perlman. Okay. Okay. I like Ty this one. Dollar Sign. I don't know this one. I don't. I'm not very familiar, <laughs> but I have heard the name plenty okay, of times. Okay. Yeah, hip hop artist. And then Glenn Howerton, who is Dennis from ooh, Always Sunny. Ooh, ooh, ooh! Dennis is a bastard man. Yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> Indeed. Dennis is a bastard man. <laughs> oh. Yes, Glenn Howerton. Hilarious. One of the most cringy characters in history. That character has not aged well, but damn, it's funny. That's probably the reason it's like, oh my God, this is never going to age well. Do it harder. <laughs> <laughs> right? At that point, he's like, fuck it. Do it more. Right? But Butch's parents, Maximilian and Ann Parker, I love, I love that his dad was named Maximilian because I just never imagined anyone named, named Maximilian that just wasn't filthy rich. Or just, yeah, or like Greek. Or something, or like, or or Italian, yeah. like a Roman citizen named Maximilian. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah. even that, he's got to be royalty or something, right? Yeah, he's got to be England. rich. Yeah, and he's poor. He's and he was from England, and he was poor for his whole damn life. Like, they never got ahead. No, which basically dirt farmers. Butch, sense. Butch really didn't either. And we'll talk more about that either. But Butch had some. He had some habits. Hmm. But his parents, Maximilian and Anne Parker, were Mormons, but more for convenience. They didn't practice polygamy, and although Maximilian was a member of the Mormon militia, he did so for consistent and guaranteed pay and housing, not out of conviction. And I know what you're thinking. No, he was not present at any other of those two massacres, although in his memoirs, which he wrote himself, he did have a few scuffles with natives. True. So, not saying he didn't take native life or lives in general, but he was not at the Wagon Train Massacre or the Paiute Massacre. No. So... 
Anywho, the Parkers moved over the mountains to Circleville in 1879, and young Roy, which is what his family called him, and that's what we'll call him until he takes on his new name. I love the name uh, Circleville. Like That's just a great yeah. town name, because, you know, circle, they circle the wagons, and they're like, that's how they probably just started. They're like, all right, circle the wagons. Yeah. All right, this is our new town. This is Circleville. 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 Yep, I like it. God damn it, Henry, you are creative, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> right. Sure beats Triangleville out there. Jack knifed my wagon seven times trying to pull in. Uh, <laughs> geometry joke. I don't, I don't know if that's going to land. Um, it's the strongest shape in nature. <laughs> right. But anyways, young Roy, which is what his family called him, worked in ranches across western Utah. And when he wasn't up to his usual hijinks, of course, apparently he was quite the prankster, pulling stunts for the amusement of his neighborhood. One time in particular, his sister Lula remembers him stealing wine and then putting it out for the chickens to drink. Fuck and yes. then he just sit back and reveled as his mother and sister just laughed at the drunk chickens just staggering around the yard. That is just such a thing we would see yeah. around here. Just <laughs> yeah, somewhere really where is. we live. Just I like, really want to give my chickens like some wine now and just see what yeah, happens. So take the whiskey out there and pour it in the, soak the corn and whiskey for a little while. What, what's interesting is where he got this wine, though. Um, it's, it's left out of a lot of things, but his parents had a neighbor who was a Gentile. He wasn't a Mormon. So yeah, I said Mormons would not have wine in their house. So. No, exactly. He was a Gentile. He had the wine, but they also didn't respect him because he wasn't Mormon. So they basically <laughs> let Butch just, or Roy at the time, just fucking take shit from him or whatever. <laughs> like, oh, you stole old such and such's wine again. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. They just like, he wasn't, he didn't matter. He apparently. wasn't a real person. He was, a, he was, well, he's not, he's not a Mormon. So Dude, whatever, they just called that his, good fun back then. Yeah, whatever's you know? his stuff is that's our stuff now. Exactly. Whatever, exactly. You can make off with, with your hands. Exactly. And Butch would also do other things like tie strings to Katie Dids and race them, which seems pretty harmless until he would start like a betting ring around them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this kid's ready to go. He, this kid's an organizer, dude, right? You, what you realize is from a young age, he was addicted to gambling. Yeah, this kid's an or, he is an organizer, though. Like, he that, is ready. Like, anytime he can put some people together in, mm-hmm. a, in a room and be like, all right, here's the plan. And how are we going to make some money off of this? I got a plan. I got a plan. He, from, <laughs> from a young age, from a young age, he was a gambler and a hustler. And that's just. It gets left out of a lot of his a lot of his biographies. A lot of things you read, they don't talk about how how he gambled everything away. Yeah, they, they, like they do. About his vices. They do mention how he went from rich to poor and rich to poor and things like that, but they never mention why that the economy was in shambles. It was the stock market. And, no, I right. think it was gambling. Yeah, it was gambling. <laughs> it was the whores and the money and the- <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just it was the gambling man. He he made big bets, and when he didn't have money, he would bet his shit. So, yeah. like, it, nothing stopped him. But or overall... If or if he didn't have money, he would just be like, all right, I will have some money in about... Yep. times that train coming? What time's that, <laughs> right. <laughs> When's that next payroll deposit? <laughs> um, but overall, things didn't go, in, go as planned in Circleville for the Parker family. Roy's dad, Maximilian, lost land to another homesteader in a property rights dispute and honestly wasn't around much before that anyway because he was always having to job himself out as well as Anne, his mother... Uh, for up to other farms mm-hmm. to do work because they weren't good farmers. They came from England. They live in an urban setting in England. They didn't know how to farm the land. So, you know, they, they just weren't very successful on their own. True. So his dad wasn't around much because of that. And teenage Roy ended up looking to a local rancher that some people described as shady. Maybe outside the law in some aspects. But anyway, his name was Mike Cassidy. 
So, Mike Cassidy, I did feel I did see that uh, that was the that reason where his dad lost that property dispute. It was a it was a Mormon judge, like a Mormon bishop or whatever, who it, was yes. who made the decisions. Very good. And Andy. because his dad wasn't as active of a Mormon, like you said, he was a mm-hmm. Mormon of convenience. He wasn't very active in the church. Yeah, he wasn't they very, can tell. He wasn't a very mem- active member of the church. That the church or that Mormon bishop or whatever basically just said like, well, he's a better Mormon, so he gets the land. Yep, and that. Basically, what they kind of alluded to is what started Butch Cassidy's kind of anger and frustration towards authority and towards his like yeah. people just making rules for rules' sake. He just yeah, it actually make, didn't make sense to him. You know what's what's even crazier? You're you're mostly right, but the other man wasn't a Mormon at all. Really? But they but the judge respected him more because he didn't claim to be. Oh, he was okay, a Gentile so. man who just had a dispute and the judge was like you know what you're better than our fucking fence rider over here yeah than our which re- which a lot of religions say mm-hmm. you know if you are lukewarm i will spew you out of my mouth how many times have you heard that phrase from who from the bible oh no that was not I, ooh, no no i've heard that from other people but not oh. the <laughs> <laughs> well get ready though no. um but mike cassidy he catches a lot of shit though he really does. He catches a lot of shit in as far as being the bad influence yeah. on Roy, and I, I just don't agree with that. I don't no, agree with I, that. I don't either. I kind of, I kind of got the the what was the rancher who kind of took Billy the Kid in that guy? It, it kind of gave me that kind of vibes. Like oh the, yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of gave him a gave him a job. Can't think of his name a, right now, but yeah. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Though? Yeah. It's like he, he kind of gave him a job, gave him a purpose, taught mm-hmm. him skills, taught him how to use a horse or a right. lasso, like taught him how to live out in the the west yeah so it's like they yeah they kind of give him like this bad rep that he was oh he was trained to be an outlaw but not really you know this could be from his family members too and family members are always looking for a reason to state why their family member isn't really bad or a reason why they are and Mm -hmm. it ain't got nothing to do with family or, or genes right it's always some bad influence in their life that just wouldn't go away but mike cassidy was a cowboy by trade outlawing cattle rustler by choice Mm-hmm. And seems to have indoctrined the restless Roy into the business of stealing livestock, or did he? Yeah, like I said, he was not a full-time because cattle rustler. He he had a ranch, like he had his own cattle yeah, too. So. But he did a lot of nefarious things as well. Yeah, like I said, you find a but, you find a stray cow. It's but look, before he even met Mike Cassidy, before before Roy even met Mike Cassidy, it was five years before, to be exact. He was twelve years old. Roy broke into a clothing store that was closed, took a pair of pants, and left a signed IOU on the counter. The store owner later called the police, and they went to the Parker home and made Roy's dad, Maximilian, pay for the pants and talk to his boy. You know, some real Andy Griffith shit. Like, don't you do that now, boy. You don't get <laughs> yes, like, talking is he just to. wearing the pants still, just, though? Like, <laughs> we're going to need those well, pants back. Like, that's kind of the bigger thing. It's like, well, he's already... No, his dad paid pants. for the pants. His dad paid for the pants. Yeah, it's like, it's like, we well, gonna pay for the pants, you're going to give us the... Well, he's already wearing the pants. Let's just... How, all right, I'll pay for the pants. <laughs> yeah, but that wasn't that wasn't an easy thing for his dad, though. Like oh, I said, no. they didn't have a lot of money, and he has 13 kids on a failing farm. Like, paying for these pants, not, not, not first on his list of no. things he wants to do. But what was interesting was the way Roy reacted to this crime, okay? He just couldn't see how his actions were wrong. He had a need, and he met it. And not to mention, the store clerk got their money after all. So, you know, to him, he's like, what's the big deal? And this is one thing that the movie got right. Yeah. There was a lot of scenes where Butch is portrayed as this thin-skinned, narcissistic. It's like, he, yes, is he charming? Absolutely. Is he a good guy? I still think so, yes. I think overall, he done way more good than bad. But his inability to see how anyone could hate him 
I mean, it's just like any time there was, even if there was like a lawman after him, he's like, why are they sending him after me? Yeah, that was like, one thing about him like getting I'm the, not that bad. I'm not. It's like, dude, you're, you're stealing thousands and thousands of dollars weekly, like... Yeah, I think uh, I think I read You're somewhere where it hurts. They were like he was so astonished when they like the first time he gets arrested when they like caught they they set him up for something and he was like, "Why are you mad at me? I was just do- I was just doing this." And they were like, yeah. "Well, they were stolen horses." He's like, "What? You were selling them to me? I didn't. I was just buying a horse." I yeah, <laughs> yeah. And he he, he was would also like, why are you why is this a crime? <laughs> he would also pull this con that when he stole horses, he would get a friend of his, a distant friend or an acquaintance, to fill out a fake bill of sale. True. So if somebody did catch him with the horses, he'd be like, "No, I got him from George Williams, and he lives over there." And then, you know, the po- the posse was either too lazy to go check it out, or they just took his word for it. Yeah, because he was charming. I mean, he's a nice dude, and cattle and horses got stole all the time. Yeah, or they just wandered off. Yeah, like, all those the time. Fin- those, those ranches are huge. That's a lot of fence to maintain. Absolutely. So anyway, when he met Mike Cassidy, he already had some authority issues, as we alluded to. So it's unfair to put all the blame on the cattle stealing Mike Cassidy. <laughs> But to be honest, back then, stealing livestock was the equivalent of stealing your neighbor's outdoor cat, honestly. I mean, you put some food out, and they come over that way, mm-hmm. and now you got a cat. Like I, I mean, said, if one just kind of ca- made its way through the fence, that's... Yeah, well, that was mine, like Andy said, cattle ranged all over the place, from property to property, and it wasn't abnormal to maybe shut up a few of the neighbor's cattle, and mm-hmm. then tomorrow, maybe they sh- scoop up a few of yours, you know? And maybe sometimes the cattle were redirected. It's, yeah. a word I, it's a word I like to use in cattle theft on, in this show. Redirected. They were redirected. And, you know, it's one of those Wild West unspoken rules that people just begrudgingly followed. They yeah. just didn't They didn't like it, but they're like, I like it when it goes my way. Yeah, true. This isn't Yellowstone now. There's not the bunch of sheriffs walking around. Exactly. Go, Kevin Costner's not keeping track of all this. Yeah, exactly. Now, another interesting tidbit about Mike Cassidy is he's often portrayed much older than Roy, although he was only a year older. Dude. Mm-hmm. Roy was 17, he was 18 when they met, and he and Roy were more like best friends than father and son. Some people even thought they may have been romantically involved, since they were always together. Hmm. One of Roy's hmm. sisters claims to have heard them in the stables on a few occasions, making noises that um made her, you say, raise an eyebrow. Hey man, he's charming as fuck. I don't just- Charming is no, charming's uh, charming, all right? Charming that, is charming. I'm just That's another thing, and you'll find it throughout studying Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy was at a minimum bisexual. Yeah. At a minimum. He may have been homosexual because there's a lot of people it's like, how did how did someone like this never have that one woman that stands out? Yes, he had lovers mm-hmm. that Different we think, towns or companions. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That we that we we think he had, but he never had he never had that woman like Sundance did. He had at a place. He never had that that person that was just his soulmate. And like so, uh, yeah, like you said, he he was always gambling all his money away. He wasn't going to the whorehouse and just right. spending it all there all night and drinking himself to death. Like no, he exactly. was just gambling it because that was more exciting. Exactly. And and although he can't like, let's say he was let's say he was gay, he, he still couldn't just go out with his partner and like make out in a saloon. Like he didn't have that kind of freedom. No, not here. Um, no. But interesting enough, the mindset around sexuality was pretty pretty relaxed it was more like matter of fact Mm. people saw sex as sex they didn't question or think about someone different based on their sexual preferences and especially not cowboys on the lamb yeah that's what i'm saying like sometimes you need body heat you can't run that fire all night and one thing leads to another and it's like like i said they didn't look down on each other for it it was just a part of life it was a part of keeping each other company finding solace like 
Brokeback Mountain, that shit happened. That shit happened all the time, man. My body's telling me, yeah. yeah. They're not making that movie from nowhere, man. No, that idea didn't come a, out of thin air. You got cowboys tracking, tracking yeah. cattle hundreds of miles sometimes across these plains together, and there's just a few yeah. guys doing it. They don't have, you know, they're not bringing their whole families with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Some stuff happens, man. Yeah, and he and he was very close, like we said, to Mike Cassidy. Close enough to take his last name. I mm-hmm. mean, whatever. I'm just saying, when you think of him as a father figure, it makes it it makes a lot more sense, right? Like, oh, he looked up to him, but he wasn't. He wasn't that's, that much that's, older. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's what makes it interesting. And you see why historians like to portray the age gap. Because if they don't, then you have to assume that they had some type of relationship. Yeah, it, kind of, it doesn't portray the same you know, legend as well. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So anyway, at the age of 18, I got something to read for you, Andy. Okay. At the age of 18, Roy, probably on the run from the crimes committed with Mike Cassidy, or maybe alone, who knows, left the family home, and he left a note for his mother. You want to read it, Andy? I think so. You All right. Give me your best Arthur Morgan. Go ahead, Arthur. <laughs> he was only 18. <laughs> so, so yeah, this is how 18-year-olds sounded back in the Old West. It's practically 44 now. Ma, there's not much for me here. No future. Pay in Utah's low. You know that. Maybe 20 $30 a month. With board, and the board's not much to brag about in most places. There's no excitement around here. I'm not a kid anymore, Mom. Obviously. <laughs> Got to be thinking about my future. <coughs> yes, you do, Roy. Tell my sisters not to touch my stuff while I'm gone. <laughs> Tell Mike I love... Uh, uh, I hope he's doing well. <laughs> Delete my browser history. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but anywho, by 1984, Roy was, let's call it, um, redirecting cattle full-time. <laughs> And his life on the lamb had begun, and he soon took on the name Butch Cassidy. Butch Cassidy. I thought I heard the Butch was more of like a nickname because he had he had taken some odd jobs. Mm-hmm. It may have been because he was a butcher's assistant. At it one was point. indeed. I'm getting and, to it. Yeah, he was like he because they didn't say like Butch was just a it wasn't part of his name either. It was no like, Cassidy. Yeah, I get that. Where'd Butch come from? Well, can't you tell? I'm a pretty pretty butchly man, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the irony of it. He wasn't. He wasn't. But, yeah, so he took the name Butch Cassidy, most likely in honor of Mike Cassidy. Well, at least in regards to the last name, right? Yeah. His first name was formed during more of a progression. First, he was called Roy, and then he was called Bob, and then he was called Bud, and then eventually Butch. And here's a quote from Butch regarding the name. He says, quote, actually... Read that that again, Butch, will you? Hold on. Butch, how'd you get that name, uh, Butch? Well, I took a job in Rock Springs in the butcher shop when I needed to lay low for a while. Uh Matt Warner. Yeah. He's a member of my gang. He nicknamed me Butch. Oh, that some bitch. He thought it was a big joke. Oh, that's real funny, real clever. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. That sling blade, yeah. funny, huh? yeah. not funny. Quirks, and, and, funny too, and people were loose with names back there. If you got called something like twice, that was your name now. Yeah, you know what I mean. It was like, and then the spellings, the spellings of Cassidy changed all the time. I mean, it was people yeah, were just the, loose with names, bro. I think the headstone at their death site actually has a K on it. I think it, I'm pretty Does sure. It? The, I think the one in Bolivia or something like that has a K, and it's like, well, there you well, go. See, I mean, there's a million different spellings of it. Like I said, yeah. people just they wrote down whatever they wanted. They were loose with names back then. It was Jerry, Larry, Rary, or whatever from Parks and Rec. <laughs> Jerry, Larry. <laughs> Jerry, Larry, Rary. Yeah. 
But Butch was known as a Robin Hood, nonetheless, out of all the names, of the Western Frontier. He was standing 5'9 and weighing 155 pounds. He was actually a larger specimen of the a American male back nine. then. Yeah, right? Considered a towering 5'9. <laughs> and 155 pounds, right? I mean, he was stocky even, right? About the size of Conor McGregor. Fighting weight. All right, yeah, okay. Yeah, about the size of Conor McGregor. But uh, the average height of the American males, this is an interesting fact for you, actually dipped in the late 1800s from 5'9 to 5'6. So if you guys it's are the only time in American time, history. <laughs> only you guys have been pretty tall right there around that time. Right, right. But yeah, it's uh, it's the only dip in American history because if you even if you Google it now, you know, obviously according to Google, they say that the average height of the American male is 5'9 again. So... You know, Butch would just be average now, apparently. I'm so abnormal. <laughs> you are a giant. <laughs> well, I mean, shit, we're both over six foot. We, we feel feels weird. Shrek. I just, I don't know. I find it hard to believe. I mean, I'm six one, and when I go out, I don't feel tall. I don't feel freakishly tall. Yeah. You know, but I mean, I don't know. It is what it is. Uh, but Butch would often rob trains and take the hall to the nearest town, where he and his gang would buy drinks for the locals and really just live it up, like most most outlaw gangs did. Yeah, you, you know, got a I bunch mean, of money, that's what just you did. Throw it around. You weren't putting it in savings. No, no, they're carrying it around, and it's like rubbing blisters on their sides. No joke. Like their, yeah. their belts and these special saddlebags that they made, or these belts that they made to carry coins, got so damn heavy. They literally would bet each other. There was times where Butch would bet Sundance something he knew he would lose so he could give him his money. Like he was literally like, you carry it. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I'll re-bet no, you again when we get there. Double or nothing, buddy. Yeah, I'll, we'll make another bet once we get there. But no, Exactly. But Cassidy was called a big, dumb kid who liked to joke. And I think in that way, the movie really portrayed him really well. I think Paul Newman did a good job as far as the personality and mm-hmm. what he had control over. The movie was somewhat enjoyable. I, it was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. A lot funnier. And we'll talk more about that at the end. We're going to talk about the film and things that are wrong with it. I got a list, and I'm anxious to get Andy's opinion. <laughs> okay. Um, but his friend, Josie Bassett, uh, made that comment about him being a big, dumb kid who liked to joke. And in 1986, after a stint in jail, I'm sorry, 1896, my (laughs) dyslexic ass, after a stint in jail, Cassidy went right back to his old ways. And it was sometime after his release when Cassidy met an East Coast-born former cowboy turned outlaw named Harry Longabaugh. 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 Longabaugh's. A.K.A. the Sundance Kid. He just came in tapping. He's like, hey, Butch. (laughs) These are my skills, Butch. (laughs) I'm the distraction, Butch. You robbed that train. He was a good shot, apparently, if you believe the movie. Yeah. So, anyways, Cassidy now had a posse of outlaws who liked to rob banks and trains and also liked to party. During one celebration, the members of the Wild Bunch uh, dressed as waiters. Now, I didn't think this was very funny at first. Until I found this quote from Ann Bassett. I almost didn't even put it in the timeline. Because I'm like, dressed as waiters? Oh, how fun. <laughs> uh, we're, we're really having a good time today, fellas. You want to go fill up someone's water? Like, yeah, just more bread. Motherfucker. Right. Yeah, that doesn't sound like bread. I right? swear. <laughs> you're American outlaws. You're outlaws. And then you're going to go, and this is how you're going to celebrate? It don't make any sense to me. Why does our but, waiter smell like pig shit? <laughs> right. So dirty. But Ann Bassett, a uh, friend... <laughs> Friend, lover, and outlaw herself of mm-hmm. Butch Cassidy. This is Ann Bassett. If he did have a love, it would be Ann Bassett, okay? But still nothing like what Sundance had with Etta Place. But here's her quote. Or do you wanna do you wanna you wanna do an Ambassador impersonation? I can do it. <clears throat> I can think I can do an Ambassador. Yeah, do it do it. 
Okay, is this the uh, the friend and lover? Okay, it is. He was a friend and a lover, an outlaw. Oh, no, that's the description of Ann Bassett. line. He could perform such minor jobs as robbing banks, holding up pay trains without the flicker (laughs) of an eyelash, but serving coffee at a grand party. That was something else. Mm -hmm. The blood-curdling job almost floored him. He became (laughs) panicky and showed that his nerve was completely shot to bits. (laughs) The boy went into a huddle in the kitchen and instructed Butch in the more formal (laughs) art of filling coffee cups at the table. Right. This just shows how eloquent etiquette can be put fear into brave men's hearts (laughs) i just love that she finds this amusing apparently butch was filling people's coffee and then trying to carry multiple cups of coffee to the table if you didn't understand that very sophisticated western woman that andy was doing oh yeah she was a madam she was Uh, she was quite she was actually knighted she was uh, (laughs) i think the feather in her hair was just like yeah she was she was dame yeah (laughs) no doubt so, but regardless of the fact that Bush didn't know how to serve coffee, in 1889, he took his wild bunch into the big leagues, successfully robbing the San Miguel Valley Bank in Telluride with associates Matt Warner, who gave him his nickname, mm-hmm. and another crazy motherfucker named Tom McCarty. All right, so we're going to take a little break from the Telluride robbery and I talk a little a, bit about these guys. I do have a cool thing before you take a break from Telluride. Like okay. The, the name Telluride. The did yeah. you hear where that name came from? To Hell You Ride. Yeah, To Hell You Ride. It was, it was just a, they were just shortened To Hell You Ride. <laughs> well, it was a it was a Sin City, man. Yeah. It was a Sin City of the day. It the really was. Ride. Yeah. Into the mouth of hell. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, how Butch met these two characters is quite an interesting story. All right. So Butch was in an old saloon in Telluride. When Matt Warner walked in bragging about a horse that he was entering in a race later that day, and he mm-hmm. was taking bets. Oh. Okay, and now Butch heard bet. He's like, huh? Say what now? <laughs> you have my interest. <laughs> Say what now? <laughs> Did that Leo DiCaprio thing? Right. <laughs> now you have my curiosity. <laughs> exactly. Now, this horse was a mare named Betty, and she was fast as hell. Mm-hmm. But Betty didn't really fit the bill in terms of a racehorse, in neither size nor gender, for that matter. <laughs> but she was a sleeper. Always bet on Betty. That's right. So naturally, a lot of ears perked up and wanted a piece of this action. Butch couldn't help but call Warner over and discuss what he thought would be sure winnings. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately for Butch, he didn't have much cash on him at the time, so he put up a couple horses and cattle. Like I said, if he didn't have anything, he'd bet his whole outfit. Mm-hmm. And let's um, uh, let's also remember that with, Butch Butch is very smart when it comes to horses. Like he he has an yeah. eye for horses. Like when he when he worked on those ranches, he learned them pretty well. Like he absolutely like, they always talked about. Like he always knew the best horses to pick for his gang. He mm-hmm. always knew the best horses to bet on. So like he sees this horse, he's like, I know ex- I I know everything about this horse already. Yeah. Like I and that was his downfall. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he bet his horses, some cattle, and some equipment, most likely guns or something like that, against War against uh, Warner's equally valuable outfit basically Mm -hmm. of livestock and weapons so here's what's crazy after they settled on the terms of the bet warner then asks butch if he'd like to be a judge for the race (laughs) butch is like wait you want someone who you're betting against to decide the outcome you want me to be a ref all right (laughs) warner replies i'd rather have a straight shooting cowboy like you as a judge than i would have anyone else you so so you want me the person you're playing against to, to be the rep? What is this, the Super Bowl? Yeah, what is this, scripted? <laughs> I've never seen so much shit about a scripted Super Bowl except for I, this year. Jesus I Christ. Know. 
But anyways, but it didn't really matter. Betty didn't leave much open for interpretation anyway. <laughs> She's a badass. She won the race by a good margin, but not too much, though, mm-hmm. because, you know, they didn't want to discourage future hustles. <laughs> you, I mean races. <laughs> Just like, I mean races. Slow down, slow down, slow down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right? <laughs> You're a literal lap ahead. Slow down. It's like the Incredibles when Dash is running at the end. It's like, go, go, go. Okay, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Right, right. <laughs> So, like, Butch Butch was a good loser, and as promised, he marched his entire outfit up to Matt Warner as he was a man of his word. Mm -hmm. But Warner declined and instead asked Butch to travel with him and run this little charade all over the West. Hmm, I think we can make a pretty penny together. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. What you think? And, you know, in case things go south, it's nice to have a a straight-shooting cowboy around, too, as well. Also, we have a really fast horse when you make a getaway. That's true. But before the young wild bunch took off, I'm already calling them the wild bunch. Look mm-hmm. at me. Before the young wild bunch took off, they made a stop to see a friend of Warner's, Tom McCarty. I wish they wouldn't have. <laughs> McCarty was once married to Warner's sister, and apparently it didn't end well. But <laughs> McCarty and Warner were still together. How bad was uh, this man's sister? If he's like, I'm gonna go hang out with Tom. I know, like, I, I know what Tom. <laughs> yeah. like, we know what Tom is like now. It's yeah. like, how bad was your sister? If you were like, I like Tom better than you. Still, <laughs> like, uh, maybe they were friends first, right? Yes. That's usually how it goes. Um, but Tom was definitely the most hardened criminal of the bunch. Okay, and he had done multiple jail stints. Others said that he had a coldness in his eyes that not even other outlaws had. <laughs> this is Tom. Tom, say hi. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Just freezes people. (laughs) But anyways, old hothead McCarty, Warner, and Butch had almost exhausted their little horse racing scam with Betty and had to think outside the box. So their genius idea was to run the exact same scam, but on Native Americans. Switch the audience up. Flip Boom. It, go around over here. Keep doing the same show. <laughs> Move it over. New neighborhood. Right. New neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. New crowd. New crowd. Hot crowd. That's right. That's right. We could just like translate our show into different languages and then just put out the same episode in different places. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Like Google should... Translate going? That's right. So there was a settlement of Navajo Indians nearby, and they hadn't yet heard of Betty's exploits, obviously. And of course, they had numerous horses that they were quite proud of as well. Like one that they named, no joke, Whiteface. I'm surprised I didn't just shoot that horse after they named it. 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 His <laughs> name is Whiteface. It's like, this one's named Whiteface. Someone just shoots it. It's like, why? Why? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you... My bad. <laughs> we were just so, naming uh, it. Apparently the horse, or some some sources called it a pony, uh, had a white face. So, But anyways, it was decided that Whiteface was going to race Bet- Betty, and winner takes both horses... And the cowboys also put up some money, and the Navajos put up their hand-woven blankets. Ooh, doing this Fast and Furious style, putting them pink slips down. That's right. Putting, the, putting horse for slips. horse, baby. They're not worried about Betty losing. Racing for keys, baby. Right? Or reins, baby. That's racing, right. <laughs> racing <laughs> for reins, baby. <laughs> racing for stirrups. <laughs> Something. Uh, saddles. <laughs> saddles. There we go. You can over your saddle, butch. <laughs> <laughs> but you can probably guess how this went. Betty whooped that ass. Betty. By such a margin that the Navajo realized that they had been hustled. They didn't, uh, Betty didn't win by the right margin this time. I don't know if whoever they had riding Betty just couldn't help themselves. I I don't know what. So I had to have this horse checked for steroids. That's right. Performance enhancement check. (laughs) Exactly. Random drug test on Betty. (laughs) So they're just curling in the background. What? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Just a horse doing fucking just dips. (laughs) Right. I love how dips is your exercise. You always go to dips. Yeah, it's just easy. <laughs> just everything dips. Because it's easy to do when you're sitting in a chair. It's an easy... Uh, is that your favorite exercise? Well, no, it's just an easy like visual thing. You can just oh, see yeah, me doing yeah. the dips. I'm doing That's the true. dips. You can't exactly get in the floor and demonstrate push-ups. There you go. No, you can't. Like, I, well, for more than one reason. Let's just keep going. 
But regardless, uh, the Navajos refused to give up their horses, or their horse, Whiteface, and, or their blankets. And this infuriated Tom McCarty as he grabbed a Navajo man and began to beat him with his bullwhip. And Ow. the other the other members of the Wild Bunch actually had to pull him off. And McCarty, you know, said he was calm, but he obviously wasn't. Because he then drew his pistol and shot and killed another Navajo man who claimed he that he was acting suspicious. Oh, I mean, yeah, he claimed... Always... McCarty claimed the Navajo man was acting suspicious. Oh, that's yes. why he shot him. One of those greats, like, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm, I'm calm. Yeah. The fuck you're looking at? Just charging. Exactly. Just, what are you fucking just bang? Just shot somebody because he was looking at him weird. Exactly. And he was paranoid that they were going to retaliate for him beating one of their tribe members for no reason, other than to just lead their horse back to their thing. That's all that all this member was trying to do. Yeah. So now to set the scene, there were five members of the Wild Bunch there that day, standing against nearly 200 Navajo warriors. But surprisingly, the Navajo must have thought that they just weren't worthy of the fight, or there was enough bloodshed, or whatever. But they just picked up their fallen soldier and they carried him back to their village. It probably wasn't worth it. I mean, you have to think that of these Navajo. It wasn't. If the if the word gets back that they just slaughtered, you know, five white men out in right. the woods, it doesn't look good for them, regardless of. It what doesn't. The even if was. they win, you're right. They yeah, they still if, lose. Even if they were attacked, it still looks like the, the Navajo slaughtered five white men in the woods. Exactly. So. And yeah, you got two hundred men, but you also have five cowboys with at least six bullets each. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I mean, they gonna get some rounds off, and they're standing within talking distance. Yeah. It's not like you know you're shooting any range here. So they knew that there would be some more casualties. Yeah, if they engaged, it was just it was just a lose lose for the Navajo. Yeah, it wasn't worth it, right? So they they picked up their fallen warrior. They went back to their village, and the cowboys just they just kind of left too. The wild bunch they just sauntered off, heads hung low. They felt like shit, especially Butch. Because he didn't like to kill people. That was his rule. He's like, we don't kill. Yeah, he's just we walking just, back, just looking at Tom. You son of a bitch. We yeah. told you. you they, <laughs> dude, they didn't even take Betty. They left Betty. They left Betty. They left Whiteface. They left the blankets. They left the money. They left everything. They're like, fuck it. We're just out of here. I feel That's, like Betty actually just chose to stay. She was like, nah, guys. I'm done with you. Yeah. I'm out. You got, I just can't. I can't, no, I told I can't you get on with this, guys. Was. I told you what my line was. That's you right. You crossed it. You crossed it. I'm not. I'm done. <laughs> I'm out. Race hustling, that's one thing, but killing Navajos, no way, no man. No way, man. No way. I'm taking my free weights. Right. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, all right. So now we're going to go back to the Telluride robbery. Now that you have a little more background on some of the key players. Like, like Betty. I, no, not Betty. <laughs> Betty's not there, Andy. Well, she's important to she, me. Her life of crime is over. <laughs> she was important to me, okay? She got out when it mattered. She got to live her life out on the range with Navajo Indians. <laughs> she got out on top. Yeah, that's she, right. She walked out a winner. That's right. So back to the Telluride robbery. A witness recalled seeing Butch in the weeks leading up to the robbery, teaching his horse to stand calmly while he ran and vaulted into the saddle. And this this was also featured in the movie. Um, I, I don't know if the footage was extra. I think it's in the opening credits where you see... Uh, you see Paul Newman just running and jumping on the horse like a few times, yeah, like over and it's over like a again. Super real kind of deal. Yeah, seems like a very Robin Hood men in tight scene or yeah, something. Like that. Yeah, just like, stand still. But <laughs> Butch claimed that he did it to save time, but he was just a showman, dude. He's just trying to look cool. Yeah, just try, that's the equivalent of the Dukes of Hazard sliding across the hood of the yeah, General you're Lee. Yeah, <laughs> he was just trying time. to get in the General Lee without opening the door. That's exactly, <laughs> exactly. There's also accounts of him riding a horse around a tree and shooting all six bullets into the same hole. That's just one of those things I included because I don't believe it. It's I just heard, uh, it's just like okay maybe he did he did but I mean it's just one of those far fetched things that 
typically gets thrown into a cowboy tail. I, I, I heard There's that no was actually one it. of the things that Mike Cassidy, when he was teaching him how, on the, how to live on the ranch and stuff, and he was yeah. teaching him how to ride a horse, he was teaching him how to shoot, and that was one of his like exercises that he did. He's like, oh, yeah? gallop around this, gallop around the tree and try and see if you can shoot that target. And that yeah. was like, a, he's like, and he did. He's like, he actually hit all the the target, but it was, yeah, it was like a, a riding exercise he was doing with Mike Cassidy. Well, shit far, boy. Yeah, he said it, when he was learning how to shoot and ride, that was that was the exercise that Cassidy put him through. Okay. So. Well, that makes sense. Oh, Mike Cassidy, man. He had quite an influence on him. Yeah, like I said, sure. he, like, he knew how to handle a horse, but Butch Cassidy was like a very good rider, very good yeah. marksman from his horseback. So, yeah. I know. But for this tell you tell you ride, to, to for this to hell you ride bank robbery. To hell we ride. Butch and the boys would be dressed to the nines, fancy clothes, shiny boots. They more they looked more like they were going to a dance than a robbery. Yeah. And that's the way they wanted it, honestly, because that's how you blend in in these big towns. They they blended in perfectly with all the honest cowboys coming into town because they all dressed the same way, trying to get the attention of the ladies. You know yeah. what I'm saying? That's, so they just looked like they were there to have a good time. They didn't look like they were there for a fight. Let's put it that way. I kind of think of like the, the John Dillinger, kind of the American gangster robbery. Yeah. They all come in there wearing their suits and stuff. So they mm-hmm. just look like they're coming to make a withdrawal. And, right, right, yeah. right. But Butch and his pals also constructed special leather bags to carry the loot, which I alluded to earlier. And they even laid out an escape route in advance, bolstered by relay teams of fresh horses. Now, mm-hmm. Butch gets a lot of the credit for putting together a lot of this stuff, but actually old Hothead McCarty uh, planned a lot of the escape routes and mm-hmm. the relays. That's because he was the one who had the, the more extensive criminal record than exactly. Butch did. He's like, yeah, we probably won't be, like, if we can't try and make this run on the horses, it yep. didn't work for me last time. We That's should right. put another horse down there. Yeah. <laughs> he's learning from his own mistakes. Exactly. exactly. And his friend's mistakes. Like I said, he's been in the game for a while. That's right. So as it went down, the bunch, the bunch waited across the street from the San Miguel Valley Bank and watched as the only armed guard went on lunch. This left no one but the teller. So the men stroll across the street, waving and being cordial to the townsfolk, of course. Good day, good day, sir. And then right before they enter the bank, they throw up the bandanas. Hothead McCarty walks up to the teller, slides a note across the counter with print so small that the teller has to lean over to read it. <laughs> Got to put his bifocals on. <laughs> yeah. what, what does that say there? How did you even write that small? <laughs> when he does, McCarty smashes his face into the counter. <laughs> that's that's actually kind of funny. That's, that's, that's a pretty that's, that's a pretty actually kind of funny. Pretty good move. Like here, here this again, McCarty, the experienced criminal, right? <laughs> he then pulls out his revolver and threatens the man, saying, "Do what I say, or feel the pain of instant death." Then how would, then, that wouldn't be painful. And that is exactly what I was about to bring up. That's that instant death wouldn't be painful. But that's what he said. God damn we it. didn't say he was the smartest criminal. He's not Andy. the smartest. He's, He's smart. not the smartest. <laughs> He's not the smartest. I bet somebody was like. Don't what? talk. How about don't, you just don't talk? Dude, about, instant death? That's like the, the nicest thing you could do for him. How about you? Really? How about we talk? Okay, Tom? Shoot him about, in the knee. Threaten the knee, man. Something. Take an ear. Take a tooth. God so, almighty. The, God. This guy. Why do we let him talk? Tell him to hold his hand up. Shoot his fingers <laughs> off. Buster Scrug, Scrug style. <laughs> My God. I thought you were the fucking... Oh, I thought you had the, the skills for this, man. <laughs> right. But regardless, the Wild Bunch made out with $22,350 that day. And had officially crossed the line, though, from semi-outlaw, which would include maybe a chance for redemption. Yeah, the maybe, cattle rustling. Maybe, right, the, maybe you go work in the military, something like that, You somehow, um, to official outlaw. Mm-hmm. So if they were caught now, it was punishable by death if they don't get shot on sight. Like, that's their, that's their new reputation. Yeah, because we talked about that, me and Michael, together. It's like, you know, these, these bounty hunters, these people who are the, the deputies who are hunting for them, they're, they're not against just, you know, putting a bullet in someone's back and throwing them over the back of their horse. You oh, know? Once God, you ride no. back into town, 
oh, they fought back, had to put them down. Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's an easy, dark world out They there. wanted to put them down, man. Exactly. All the trouble they caused them, all the money that they've stolen. Mm-hmm. So... Cassidy, with nowhere to go but bad, Cassidy and the Wild Bunch's notoriety grew as they continued to rack up around 35000 per robbery. It's a nice pretty paycheck. It was just going then. up, man. Although historians think the Wild Bunch probably only robbed four banks, four express trains, and a coal company payroll office, they were soon being blamed for every robbery in the area. Yeah, it's easy just to, as long as you got one gang that's not- like notable, you can just add them to the things. Like, you heard the same thing with Billy the Kid, where it was like, oh yeah, he's killed all these people. He's like, yeah. I wasn't even there. I know. <laughs> it's like, but, but because of the success mm-hmm. of the robberies, people just assumed if no one was caught, it was Cassidy. Because he was so successful. He, he, he planned carefully. And then he also had people like McCarty. I mean, mm-hmm. as asshole as he was, man, he was still good at planning. He was good at planning, and that's what made these things successful. Here's an excerpt from uh, Richard Patterson's book, Butch Cassidy, A Biography. He says, Little was left a chance. Butch and a few selected game members would spend days, sometimes weeks, scouting a robbery site in the best escape route. Wisely, they always chose the summer months for all their holdups when the weather was favorable for eluding posses. It appears that Cassidy was also avoid killing, although shots were fired during escapes. Butch was never known to have shot anyone during a holdup. The closest Butch ever came to, har- to harming a robbery victim was when he used explosives to force his way into an express car, which is portrayed in the movie in a pretty funny way. Mm-hmm. Um, a few express passen- messengers were injured in the blast, but none seriously. The gang also warned them that they would use dynamite and that they would be wise enough to protect themselves by hiding behind the cargo. Yeah. So yeah, like I, they did warn him. Yeah, and Butch is also he's like I say he's not the he's not the most angry or easy to anger person. In that same event, like one of his gang members was gonna kill that person, and Butch was yeah. like, "You don't need to kill him. We already got the stuff." Like, yeah, why why would you do this? Like, exactly. he's an old man who's already unconscious. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But these powerful railroad companies were catching up to the Wild Bunch. They were getting tired of this shit, and some Pinkerton detective, Charlie Seringo called Cassidy, quote, the shrewdest and most daring outlaw of the present age. I think shrewdest is a little bit harsh. I don't think he was very shrewd. I don't think he was very shrewd at all. Charming as hell. Like, they always said he was literally, like, the life of the party. He was very But not if he's making your life miserable, Andy. Very true. Yeah, I guess you were like, man, this guy's so shrewd. Yeah. He doesn't care about me at all. You sound shrewd. Missed another dinner with the wife. (laughs) You sound shrewd, Charlie. Right. Chasing his ass all over the damn desert. But... I guess he would know, though, you know, Charlie Seringo, because he did trail the gang all over the West, even posing as an outlaw to get info on the gang. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that wasn't hard to spot. True. <laughs> but the Pinkerton detective caught a break in the year 1900, when some of the Wild Bunch was in Texas to visit their favorite brothels and blow off some steam. I did. Uh, I saw something and, about these Pinkerton guys that I didn't. Uh, I didn't know. Like I knew how big of an agency they were. Yeah. But like apparently during this time they had their own train. They had their own railway car that would be yeah. pulled along. It had a it had a car for horses with hay and stables. Had a, like a sleeping car, a, a dining car, but it was just for the Pinkertons. It had like gun you know gun windows out the side. Yeah. And that was how they would try to get to the different cities faster. To try to get to the outlaws where the robberies would happen. Yeah. They had their own fucking like armored train that was like just patrolling the West at this time. Damn. Like I these don't guys were it, these guys were serious yeah. hunters. These were bounty hunters to an extent. When, I know they were, you know, the detective agency, but yeah. these were bounty hunters, motherfucker. They were When they were after you, yeah, that was bad. That was bad news, man. That was bad news. 
Um, but they caught a break, being the detectives, when they decided when uh, the Wild Bunch decided to get a formal portrait taken as a joke. <laughs> this picture of the Sundance Kid, Will Carver, Ben Kilpatrick, and Harvey Logan, also known as Kid Curry. We'll talk a little bit more about him. Let's talk about him at the end of the show. All, All right. right. We'll talk a little bit more about Kid Curry at the end. Uh, and Cassidy, of course, was a rare misstep for him. It is, uh, it is said a Wells Fargo agent recognized the outlaws when the photo was displayed in the photographer's Fort Worth studio window, and it was soon on wanted posters all over the place. Yeah, I think this was, if uh, I remember correctly, I think this was actually Butch's idea, wasn't it, to like get a picture taken? Probably. Because he's, the, he's kind of vain. He's kind he, of... He, he kind of. He is very vain, like, and he, he's very he's, thin-skinned. Yeah, so he likes, to, he likes to show off. He likes to be the center of attention to an extent, so he gets his gang together. He's like, let's all take a fancy picture. We'll all get it's like, dressed up. We'll shave. Yeah. Like, like, this seems like a misstep then, but now it's great. It's yeah. like it's the most badass picture that you could have. Now you have a picture of your gang that lives on forever, and it's easily the most famous picture in regards in regards to uh, Cassidy and the gang in general. And it's a good. If, if you just Google too. Butch Cassidy, it's going to come up like within the first ten photos, probably, and like a, sh- a bunch of different versions of it. Yeah, and it's not like one of those kind of you know rusty tin types of Billy the oh, Kid it's really or, good. or Jesse James, where it's like I think that's the same person. No, this was like this was such a good picture that the photographer put it up in his storefront window yeah. and be like, look how good a picture I can take. It's a really good and picture. The Wells Fargo was like, I think I've seen that guy before. Yeah, and that's like it was literally it was such a good picture that it, it was on display yep. for the for the town. And to now see. they had all their faces in nice clear print mm-hmm. to put all over the place so yeah it was getting it was getting pretty hard to hide yeah but also in that same year they took the photo in 1900 cassidy seemed to be tired of life on the run maybe that's why he wanted the picture man maybe he was feeling sentimental yeah he's like i don't know how much longer i'm gonna be around anyways yeah like, yeah exactly but a lawyer claimed that cassidy came to visit him curious if he could get a pardon and settle down for good and when he was told it would be impossible cassidy was understanding and he said you know the law, and I guess you're right. But I'm sorry it can't be fixed some way. You'll never know what it means to be forever on the dodge. You won't. You, you snowflake lawyer ass. I did. Uh, I did. I heard some about this. Though, this lawyer too that was actually pretty cool. He actually. There's another thing that Butch Cassidy was kind of not like famous for, but he yeah. actually had a lawyer on retainer while he was an outlaw. When and he it needed wasn't, one. It wasn't like he was paying him. Like he had apparently saved this lawyer's life in a fight and the lawyer was like, if you ever need help, I'll defend you. And Butch Cassidy was like, I'm going to need a lot. And just yeah. kept coming I'm back. I'm going to take you up on that. He just like kept coming back like, hey, I guess who needs a defense again? Like, yep. guess who needs a lawyer's opinion? Yep. But yeah, so yeah, he did. He knew this lawyer. They had a relationship for a little while as friends. But yeah, yep. he was like one of the only outlaws who had like their own personal lawyer. Yep, exactly. And yet his lawyer gave him another confirmation that he was going to be destined forever to be on the dark side. So with that, the Wild Bunch pulled off their last major robbery at the First National Bank of Winnemucca, Nevada on September 19, 1900. According to Richard Patterson, Cassidy managed to charm the populace yet again. And here's an excerpt from Richard Patterson's book. You want to read that one for us, Andy? As Richard Patterson or as... As Butch. Uh, just <laughs> as Richard Patterson, I guess. As Richard Patterson. I have no idea. I mean, he is... Okay, Richard yeah, Patterson. Who is this guy? One boy, 10-year-old Vic Burton, whose father managed to see yes ranch east of town where the outlaws camped. Mm-hmm. Remembered Butch as a likable man with a broad grin. He said the outlaw gave him candy. 
Burton also <laughs> has said that one day when he told Butch how much he admired his horse, Butch replied that someday he might give it to him. A few days later, Butch kept that word. Following the robbery as the three outlaws were changing fresh horses, Butch told the cowboy but attending the animals to give his former horse to the young boy at the CS Ranch. Why are you speaking with the diction of Patrick Warburton? <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. Hey, Michael, it's all coming together right now. Take the poison. <laughs> Goose goes poison. <laughs> Goose goes. You asked me who Pat Richard Patterson anyway, was? This is that's Richard him. Patterson. It's Patrick Warburton, apparently. This is Richard Patterson. <laughs> but the Bank of Winnemucca robbery was most likely to fund a new life in South America, far, oh, far away from the Pinkerton detectives, and as the movie would allude you to believe, uh, the Super Posse. The Super Posse. <laughs> right. The Super Posse. We got to evade the Super Posse. You know, you know good of an outlaw you have to be to get a Super Posse? Yeah, Lord, the kid didn't have a Super Posse. What? No, Jesse James Super Posse. <laughs> right? Nah, that's Butch Cassidy that's right Butch there. He's Cassidy. such a good outlaw, he's got a Super Posse. That's right. There was a tracker named Lord Baltimore. He was a Native American that's a, uh, yeah. that took the name Lord Baltimore, at least according to the movie. I, I could not find if those names were real. I found it very odd that the names were so specific <laughs> and strange in the movie. So I'm like, he had to have gotten them from somewhere. Yeah, right. Right. So I, I don't know, but I could not find uh, guaranteed information what what those posse members' names were. But no, it still was so big they couldn't even name them all. Yeah, naming them all would be like a George R. R. Martin page when two two parties meet. <laughs> exactly. This is so and so, son of loin, and the right. son of us of house this. <laughs> Look at Fellowship of the Ring over here. We ain't got time for this. <laughs> I'm skipping these pages. <laughs> right. But in 1901, Cassidy and the Sundance Kid brought, uh, bought property in Cholila, Argentina, under assumed names, of course. Mm. And they were joined on their new ranch by Etta Place, who was Sundance's girlfriend, or Longabao, if you guys uh, aren't familiar. Mm -hmm. uh, and according to some, Cassidy's unrequited love. He did have a weird relationship with Etta. I, I, I don't know if they were romantic or, or what, or if they had like a little threesome, a little three-way family going on here for a little while. It's weird. Even the movie portrays it odd. Yeah, they have like a weird relate. It's not. It's it's not even like sibling like. It's like it's like close friends, but there's a little bit of tension. It's it's yeah. weird. But yeah, there's there's a there's a good picture of uh of Etta too that that her and Longabout took right before they went down to you know, yeah. Bolivia or something. That's like one of the only pictures of her. Because after that, like she's kind of in the wind after this. Well, she doesn't stay long. Yeah. In South America, but she was like um, she was with them for a pretty good amount of time, off and on, until this point where she kind of stays with them. Yeah. Well, while they're while they're living there in South America, Cassidy actually wrote back to a friend, uh, Matilda Davis. I don't know the relation to Matilda Davis. I don't know if she was a lover, or friend, or relative, or what. But she was back in America, and uh, he wrote to her describing his new setup. So Butch, all right, what'd you write? <laughs> Another of my uncles died and left $30,000 to our little family of three. Mm -hmm. So I took my 10000 and right. I started to see a little more of the world. I visited the best cities and best parts of this country in the South America till I got here. And this part of the country looks so good that I located, and I think for good. For I like this place better every day. Damn good. Damn good. <laughs> Also, something else worth noting, you know, the first line, another one of my uncles died. You, you guys understand that, right? Like, he has, he doesn't have any uncles. Yeah. Uncles aren't dying. Yeah. It's $30,000. And if you remember a little bit earlier in the show, I talked about how they were getting around 30000 per robbery. Yeah. That's what happened. They just, they made another rob. They didn't stop once they got to Bolivia, once they got to South America. They, they were not 
They were not really slowing down. They did slow down. They did slow they down. Stop. Yeah, they they tried to make it straight for a little yeah. while, but like I said, vices catch up to you. That's they, right. And even in Argentina, the Wild Bunch couldn't outrun their reputation. And it wasn't long before the trio were accused of bank robberies in South America. Etta Place eventually returned to the States, and that's really the last we hear of her. Um, and she left because of the heat that was coming. Yeah, she kind of knew there and was Cassidy, a, it was it was not looking good. There was a storm coming. She could yep. kind of feel that the, the the cops were closing in. There yep. was kind of coming down. And yeah, she just disappears. So I guess yeah. she took her share. Of she just went back had. home, man. But yeah, nobody ever hears from her again. She probably changed her name and just kind of vanished into history. Yep. But yeah, she's she's at, after this moment, she's never heard from again in nope. history. And this is where they end up in Bolivia. And on November 6, 1908, the pair stole and were blamed for stealing or were blamed for stealing payroll from a mining company's courier in San Vincent, Bolivia. Mm -hmm. A few days later, the Bolivian cavalry surrounded the house where they were staying, including the police chief, the local mayor, and they surrounded the lodging house that Butch and Sundance were hiding out in on the evening of November 6th. As they approached the house, Butch and Sundance opened fire, killing one of the soldiers and wounding another and starting a gunfight, which lasted well into the night. They must have had a ton of ammo, like just oh, stockpiled as well. Well, they're not constantly shooting you. Yeah, too. It's just like, oh, I think I see some. Pow, pow. Yeah, they're, pow. they're not. It's just, just constant tension because you can't get near the windows. You can't go outside. They don't want to leave because they don't want them to run. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? But either way, at around 2 a.m. during a lull in the fighting, the mayor, okay, the mayor of this town in Bolivia said he heard a man scream three times. This is very specific. Mm -hmm. Then two shots were fired from inside the house. And it's the only testimony that we have about this this moment. And I hate that it's from the mayor. The mayor of the city who like organized this. Yes, I hate that it's from the mayor because he has every reason to lie and make it look like they didn't kill anyone, for one. I mean, I don't know. It's just but the way he described it. the criminals. Exactly. The way he described it, it was just best case scenario for him and his posse. Yeah, we didn't have to kill them. We didn't have to bring them in. We didn't have to no. do anything. They took their own lives and no one was hurt. Like, yeah. It's just, you know. It just sounds weird, right? We caught them, guys. We got them. But yeah. regardless of what happened, the cavalry entered the house the next morning and found two bodies with numerous bullet wounds to the arms and legs. The man assumed to be Longabao, or Sundance, had a bullet wound in the forehead. And the man thought to be Cassidy had a bullet hole in the temple. Mm -hmm. See, right there, there's a, it says uh, two two gunshots or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're also, like they're, the bodies are littered with bullet holes, or so they say. I, ha I did find a lot of sources that said that they did get shot quite a few times. Yeah, Arms, I, legs. I, I found one, I saw one yeah. source that said definitely Sundance was shot at one yeah. point, like in the middle of a firefight, and Butch actually dove out there and pulled him to safety in the middle right. of the fire. Um, so, yeah, there was there, they were already wounded to an extent like by the time they came into the house exactly and as far as fake history goes they were buried in a nearby indian cemetery good night we'll see you guys next week thank god all right Roll all right clip. let's go ahead and close it up let's close it up lights off okay yeah yeah no that's not it at all, all what we... happened that's not at all what happened to andy i didn't okay yeah that's Get not more. at all because when news made it back to the u.s that cassidy and sundance had been killed absolutely none of their friends believed the story no one <laughs> so that means they had a sure. reason sure and they did Exactly. Sure they did. Right. And sightings of Cassidy began almost immediately. Mm, it's Cass a ghost. That's right. It's a ghost. Cassidy's nephew, Bill Bentonson, wrote a book entitled Butch Cassidy, My Uncle. 
where he points to around twenty. <laughs> right, Nailed very clever title. title. Nailed it. Uh, where he points to around twenty documented sightings of Cassidy after 1908, like in 1925, where Cassidy was seen driving a shiny new Ford, grinning from ear to ear on his way to visit his family in Utah. Mm-hmm. He has remember he has thirteen or twelve other siblings as well that are yeah. out there. And he's been on the lam for a long time, man. He he wants to come back and see what's up. His sister, Lula Parker Bentonson, claimed that he told the family of his exploits and kept in touch with them until his alleged real death, which she says, in 1937. Mm -hmm. Now, like many of the outlaws of this time, if you're wondering how this could have happened, many of the outlaws of this time, Butch Cassidy presumably lived out his life under another alias. Um, For Butch, that alias may have been Engineer William T. Phillips, who claimed he was the real Cassidy. Okay. So okay. I, did, I did see several reports of people like of, of members of his family yeah. saying that he did. He made like Butch Cassidy made trips to visit members of his family throughout yeah. the years after his apparent death. And that's mm-hmm. not just like one per like not just his nephew saying, "Oh, I wrote a look at my book. I saw him a bunch of times." Like several members of his family have all stated yeah, he, he came and visited us. Oh, yeah, and he, they say it matter-of-factly, too. It's not... It's not like, a, oh, yeah, it's a secret thing. It's like, oh, yeah, Butch, no, he, he came. He had yeah. Thanksgiving with us one time. Right. <laughs> but let's look into this William T. Phillips character a little bit. So it was believed that a Spokane engineer named William T. Phillips was, in fact, Cassidy. Mm-hmm. He seemed to have done everything possible to encourage this theory, even writing a book called Bandit Invincible about Cassidy's exploits. And he also died in 1937, though... Lula, Cassidy's sister, claimed that he was definitely not Cassidy. Okay. And although he may not have been Cassidy, it does appear that Phillips was an imposter, though, which is interesting. Okay. Historian Larry Pointer uncovered two mugshots, one of Cassidy and one of Phillips. So he was arrested. Okay. um, From the same exact period in Wyoming, and it appears that the two men probably even served time together in a penitentiary, and that Phillips may have ridden for a time with the Wild Bunch, but it was obvious that they were different people. Okay, true. Yeah. Uh, that, so he that, actually that, had mugshots. So. That does make sense because, yeah, we, we talk about the, the members of the Wild Bunch that are in the photo, but the Wild Bunch kind of was, it, it did have a revolving door of members. Oh, absolutely. Because that's one thing that Butch was really good at was picking the right men for the job he was going on. He, right. He kind of had like an Italian job kind of crew with him where he was like, all right, we got the guy with the dynamite, we got the sniper, yeah. we got the, we got everybody we need. And he had this kind of, like I said, a revolving door of criminals. As you have to, because sometimes to criminals things. get picked up. Sometimes members, you know, get arrested. They they shoot somebody, mm-hmm. you know, go you to got, jail for life, you get pick hung, somebody out of the gang hanged. every once in a while. Yeah. Someone goes too far. Exactly. All right. So what did happen to Butch and Sundance, right? Well, in the early 1990s, two bodies believed to be Cassidy and Sundance were exhumed in Bolivia, you know, because where they said they were buried, these yep. bodies were exhumed. DNA tests were conducted by one of the nation's best forensic anthropologists at the time, and it was determined that they were not Cassidy and Sundance. Defuck. Exactly. And they got that. They, they have a lot of Cassidy's DNA. They have thir- 12 more people to pull from Exactly. Them. Exactly. And he has relatives still alive today. Mm-hmm. Um, according to Bill Bentonson, Cassidy's nephew, his family knew exactly where Cassidy was buried after his, ele- after his alleged real death in 1937. Quote, My great-grandmother, Butch's little sister Lula, was very clear. She said that where he was buried and under what name was a family secret. That he was chased all his life, and now he had a chance to finally rest in peace. And that is the way it must be. I mean, I, I can understand that. If, if this is, if that's kind of the real, the story that they kind of have gotten to portray, like, yeah, yeah you lived your whole life you know if on he the lived, lamb. 
Like if he, it's if he well deserved. Yeah, if he did die and make it to thirty seven, then he lived to be in his eighties. Mm-hmm. He lived to be eighty, early eighties at least. Yeah, not just, doing uh, the exact math, but something yeah. about those old West outlaws. They could apparently, if they did not die when they were young, they could make it to like ninety. Yeah. <laughs> what was that guy who was like pretending to be, or was Billy the Kid? That guy was like ninety two or something. Just Bushy oh, yeah. Bill Roberts coming out of the desert. There was a Jesse James, a guy that pretended to be Jesse James, and he lived to, to be like well into his nineties. He was like ninety seven when he yeah. died. It's like okay, he's not Jesse James, but goddamn, he done <laughs> you something. Were, you were there, right? And and uh. I shared a newspaper article a while back on a strange short, I think, before you joined, Andy, and I talked about Jesse James. Ah, uh, the dark days. Uh, but that article was from 1941, and that man died at 97. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he could have, it could have worked. Mm-hmm. It could have actually worked. So, well, do you want to talk about uh, your other outlaw? You want to talk about Kid Curry a little Kid bit? Kid Curry, man. Kid Curry I mean, that's was pretty my, much my, it my favorite. We're, we're going to talk about the movie as well, but let's talk about Kid Curry for I, a second. I, there was, like I said, there's some other members of the gang, but Kid Curry is one of the members in that that picture of when they're all kind of dressed in their fancy suits. But there's another picture of Kid Curry, and his name is actually Harvey Logan. But me and Michael just love this picture of him because <laughs> with how expensive and how hard pictures were to come by back then and to, to really get a portrait sure. of somebody, the picture of Harvey Logan is him sitting cross legged in a chair hat up half done yeah. just disheveled just not giving a fuck if this just was in, like not even it, looking at the camera not even looking anywhere right just, if this was in today i would think he was just standing there on his sitting there on his phone yeah he that's is, what he looks like he's doing it looks he like he's on his phone in in 1890 and apparently this man was <laughs> he was one of the more violent ones as well of the group he apparently killed nine uh deputies and lawmen while he was in yeah. the, the wild bunch but hell Butch hung out with some rough company, man. Yeah, That's part he of why did. he was wanted so much. Honestly, a lot of the people around him did a yeah. lot of uh, crazy shit. But apparently, this guy right here was uh, was so well known with the with the ladies and the the women of the night that they used to visit that once he started riding with Butch Cassidy and started becoming a little bit more famous, all these prostitutes started coming out of the woodwork. I mean, like, yeah. this is your baby. This is also your baby. This is your baby. And he had yeah. like eighty five. I, I don't want him to get the impression that he was a ladies' man because that's not what we're talking about. Like here. he did. He did like the he prostitutes. He did like to go workers. and visit the brothels and like yeah, yeah. He, the sex workers he liked to visit the brothels a lot mm-hmm. and yes he did they do believe he probably had like five or six kids maybe but like they had over 85 children brought to him being like this is your baby too we need money this is your baby yeah right like 85 people were just like child support child support child right support. we know you got it <laughs> it's just because he was friends with butch cassidy he's like i just ride with him man it's right it's like being, it's like being a part of like someone's entourage right he's like i blew all that money on y'all yeah like, man. <laughs> i already gave you all the money we made bank robbery and i gave you everything else right but yeah like they had some pretty crazy people in there and that was uh, uh apparently kid curry got his name from his mentor yeah flat nose curry which i just i just love the nicknames people got that back is in funny the day. they just take names over and most of the time it was like like i you, said you got called twice either you fucked. did something like weird and that was what your name was yeah. or you just had a weird just like weird look about you and that yep. was what it was there's a guy in their name who was just like that's too tall <laughs> or whatever it was like. Yeah, yeah. I think it was Ben Kilpatrick. I think that was him. Yeah. Yeah, they, they called him the tall Texan. It's just like, yeah, he's tall as fuck. Oh, is he the guy he's that uh, challenge, challenges Butch in the movie? I can't remember what they called him, but there is a, a really yeah, big, big tall, member yeah, of the, the group. Guy. Yeah, they do the knife Butch like, kicks him in the balls. They do the <laughs> knife fight where he's like, you know, yeah. he says like, oh, oh, he's like, knives are guns, Butch. He says, we got to go over the rules. He's like, there's no rules in a knife fight. He just kicks him in the nuts. And yeah. He's like, all right, well, I guess we got to start this fight. Now about count to three, let's get going. And he punches him in the face again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, this is Ben Kilpatrick. Like I said, you just had to be, whatever the most defining characteristic about you was, that was your nickname. It's tall. 
This is Tall Texan. Yeah. My, my name's Ben. Yeah, you're Tall Texan. Yeah, you're Tall Texan. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, flat, no- <laughs> flat nose Curry. He looks like a flat nose Curry looks like someone's butler. Like he looks like a character from Clue. <laughs> <laughs> he got like a monocle on. Like just like the, I don't know. He just looks like a yeah. old banker or something. He, well, people dressed up for pictures, man. That's probably not how he looked regularly. But, you know, when you had, like I said, when you had an opportunity for a picture, unless you you're, wanted to do some. Unless you're Harvey Logan. Unless you're Harvey Curry, Logan. And apparently he just, just never gave a fuck at all at all. No, he didn't give a shit. Yeah, you can see in the other picture when they have the the five men. He's in the back. He's still not looking at the camera. He doesn't. Of give all a the shit. members of the of the bunch, like several of them are looking. Kid Curry's in the back beside, behind Butch, and he's just looking off to the side. Like, are we done? Like, why why am I here? Like, why? Am I? <laughs> like they made him yeah. shave a little bit. He's just he doesn't even look like he's happy to be there. He's for pissed this. off. <laughs> he's like he's not like, happy about I, it. Why? You know how long it makes me stand here? It's like forty five minutes. <laughs> exactly. You know how old pictures used to be. <laughs> but yeah, we thought I thought he was an honorable mention. You know. Yeah, they had some pretty fun members kind of coming in and out of that gang. Yeah, but yeah the guy who had eighty five paternity cases come to him at the, after riding with Butch Cassidy. Yeah, just kind of my favorite. That's he was that's also crazy. the guy who uh, when they did the the dynamite thing and they blew up the train car. Yeah, Lo- or Kid Curry was the one who walked in and was going to kill the conductor. Yeah, and apparently you know Butch Cassidy said like. Uh, Apparently he said, like, no, a man with that kind of nerve deserves another day. Or oh, like, okay. Because the man said, like, nope, you can come in and get it. Yeah. He wouldn't open the door for him, so. And he was an unarmed guard. Like, he was just in there yeah. just to, with the keys of the safe or whatever. So. Yeah. Yeah, those guys often caught the raw end of the deal, those those uh, train conductors. Yeah. Because they're on there by themselves, you know, and they're gonna, they got dynamite. They're going to blow the damn door off. There ain't nothing you can do. Yeah, but. they don't got the, the, the uh, what was the Wells Fargo trailer like, carriages with the shotgun men on both sides. No, this no. This is just a car. This is a train. No, the way they portray that in the movie is pretty damn probably pretty damn close to how it went honestly there's a there's a great train robbery scene in the movie where they keep running into this same conductor mm-hmm. that works for jh morgan yeah. and it's fucking hilarious but speaking of the movie i want to talk a little bit about uh some issues that are with the movie there's there's a lot okay, okay? yeah you can't take it as fact obviously yeah, which they, is hilarious because they start the movie with most of what follows is true okay um which is which they know that it's not. Yeah, it's okay. Like, it's, it's like the Mitch Hedberg line where it's like inspired by true events. It's like this movie yeah. was about this, and it inspired me to make a movie about, about a gorilla. This <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like inspired by true events. Exactly. So the disclaimer at the beginning of the film is obviously tongue in cheek. Uh, the reality is that much of the lore surrounding Butch and Sundance is very difficult and sometimes impossible to confirm or debunk. So screenwriter William Goldman who primarily had been a novelist before this, just kind of ran with it. He was like, I think I know enough. I think we can do it, and it's a movie, so it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And in fact, that's why he wrote a movie instead of a book. He was interested in the story, but he didn't want to do the work that a book would require. He didn't want to do all the research. Exactly. He didn't want to do the homework. (laughs) That's why why I love studying books. That's why I love having a book as one of your main resources. That's why I love being the co-host. You don't don't fuck up with book research, though. No, you don't. You better not. You don't. Yeah, you can't. People will be citing your book. Yeah, unless you just really don't know, and then more information comes out later. Yeah, in regards to like, I'm thinking of like books like Helter Skelter and then mm-hmm. Chaos. They um, also kind of like capitalized on like the buddy cop movies of the day, and like the out and the the cops and robbers, yeah, the, yeah. the outlaws, the antiheroes. So yeah, they do they dramatize the movie to make them more of this like these two best friends against the world who, you know, they, they've got their backs against the wall and they're, yeah. they're just trying to, just trying to get by. And it's, they, they weren't, they, they Butch and Sundance were not, 
you know, lifelong best friends who have been doing right. this for a long time. They they weren't. That's not who actually. LZ Lay was his best friend. Yeah, it's like either um, LZ Lay or M- Mike Cassidy. Like they, yeah. those are the ones who he like really had connections with. It just seems like him and Sundance kind of wound up together towards the end yeah. of the run. They said that they didn't. Uh, they said they didn't call the movie Butch Cassidy and LZ Lay because they thought nobody would watch that. Yeah, because like it the Sundance, cool. when you have someone in the, in the band or the in the gang called the Sundance Kid, yeah, it just sounds it sounds like Batman and Robin. Like it when does. You got like a nickname, and you got you know Billy the Kid. It's you, if you don't got a nickname, that you don't want to put him in the in the title. Exactly. So yeah. Exactly. Exactly. That's why that fucking Jesse James movie is so stupidly long. That's you right. Jesse James and the Death. <laughs> but uh, here's so here's another issue with it, right? Not we, enough we shirtless spoke. Robert Redford. <laughs> Not enough. That's my biggest complaint. Not <laughs> enough shirtless Robert Redford. <laughs> and Paul Newman. And, you know what? Paul Newman, too. Yeah. Paul Newman, he's a good-looking guy, too. Marvel Come shirtless on. scenes where they make them all bulk up for that one scene? Yeah. What was that scene back then? <laughs> yeah, right? Well, they wanted, to keep the, they wanted to keep the G rating or PG rating, whatever it was. Oh, yeah. That didn't matter back then. They could have been just, <laughs> you could have been fucking tits everywhere in that movie. Like, PG. In 1969? Go no. watch Airplane. Airplane is PG. It and is there's not literally PG. A, Airplane is PG. And there's literally a scene where the entire screen is taken up by two naked tits. They just go, PG. Because we watched it in middle school band one time. Wow. <laughs> Loophole. Loophole. <laughs> right. He's like, oh, titties. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's some like 12-year-old kid that's like, I know a movie I want to watch tonight, Mom. It's rated PG. <laughs> PG. I know watch Family Movie Night. Can but, I read uh, this and watch it in my room? Right. It's PG. But we alluded earlier uh, to the Super Posse, right? Yes. Let's get to the Super Posse. Let's get to the Super Posse. In real life, there was a Super Posse in real life. I know. Okay? Um, but with a very different outcome. It yeah. wasn't like the movie. The Super Posse didn't epically chase them across the desert and all this shit. Yeah, they didn't have just like And an then army, they escaped like jumping army. into a river. No, none of that shit happened. Um, there was a Super Posse, but they didn't engage Butch and Sundance in much of a chase. Or one at all. Or as, like direct at, combat. Either, at right? all. As soon as Butch and, Butch and Sundance heard who it was in the group, they fled, uh, knowing that they'd never be able to beat them. Mm-hmm. And the hunt was over basically before it started. So that's that's once they heard about the Super Posse, they dipped to South America and that's it. Yeah, once you get to a certain point in your notoriety where they're having to like assemble their own small army to try and find you, yeah. you're like, all right, I, time to be hitting the old dusty trail, I guess. Just, yep, <laughs> exactly. see what Bolivia's like. I guess. Right, Got the National Guard after me now. <laughs> exactly. One thing I did appreciate the, about the film, which I mentioned earlier, I appreciated how funny it was. Actually, mm-hmm. there were some pretty funny scenes in it. And um, but what was what's crazy is the film actually had to endure a, endure additional editing um, because it was too funny. Yeah, exactly. They were like, according they, they were to like pre-screen like, buddy comedy, like the yeah. buddy cops and like the those two like what was the Forty Eight Hours with like Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy and yeah, stuff. they were trying to capitalize on that. The two leading men, like one's like the straight guy, one's the comedian. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were that was what they were trying to do, and it turned out pretty funny. Those yeah, guys are, both of those men are devilishly charming. Yeah, well, what's funny is after the additional cuts, critics still complained that the movie was too humorous. <laughs> which is funny because they, they should have seen the earlier cut, right? That was yeah. shown to the freaking, uh, the other the other audiences because it was even more uproarious, right? <laughs> Zanuck later recalled that testing test screening audiences found it too funny, funnier than the studio had in mind. They wanted it to be an amusing Western, 
but not an all-out comedy western, uh, which obviously was a genre that tended to do poorly around the time. They took their John Wayne very seriously. Yeah, if, okay. you're not, if it's not Blazing Saddles, it's not a funny comedy western. So they were right. expecting a Clint Eastwood, a John Wayne, mm -hmm. a, you know, one of those classic western type deals. With some, yeah. you know, those those movies always had a little bit of a you know, a country joke every now and then, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, it wasn't slapstick. There wasn't many punchlines in those movies. No, but like I said, you get two guys like like Robert Redford and Paul Newman who are devilishly handsome and just ridiculously charming. Yep. They're going to improv some stuff here. It's like, oh man, God damn it. <laughs> That's really good. That's really good. We're going to, we're going to leave that in there. We're just going to leave that in. That's really yeah. good. He probably would have said that. Yeah. He would have said that. God, yeah. Can you say that? Can you say that again, Rob? Right <laughs> but on. to me this time, can you just look into my eyes and say it? <laughs> right. <laughs> right on. Well, that's our episode on Butch Cassidy. That's it, guys. Uh, hopefully, that was entertaining. Hopefully, I dug up enough stuff. It, like I said at the beginning, it's just one of those timelines that can never end. I mean, I feel like I've been working on this timeline for like five days. It's just, it just seems like there's just more and more shit. I was, I was literally re-listening to the book up until the time to record because there's just, there's so much about it. There's so much other, other uh, stories. There's different. Tangents you get lost different into. Different tangents, like, right? Different versions different, of all these different encounters. Just it's, all the different members of his gang. Like, each different member yeah, of the gang that kind of comes show, in. You're like, man. oh my God, this guy, oh my God, this guy did this. Oh shit, let's talk about this guy. He did this. Like, exactly. I just brought up like three of the gang members at the end just, just to bring up some of the things about them. Like, yeah. he had some pretty interesting people throughout his life. Even the the first ones we talked about, uh, the Bessets, mm -hmm. or the Bassets. Yeah. They were two female gang members. They were like two like, yeah. women gang leaders. So, like, he had a a plethora of kind of famous and celebrity kind of people rolling through his life. Yep. So yeah, this this case just that uh, you kept going down. You're like, oh, can we talk about this for a little bit? All right, get derails it too much. All right, <laughs> like, bring it back, bring it back. Right. Like I said, we could yeah, do a whole episode just on the Mormon Church itself and how the like, the Mormon uh, like uh, migration to Utah. Yep. But yeah, these all these characters in this story are pretty interesting people. Like when it gets to the old west, you get to those cowboy stories and outlaws. Yeah. They're all interesting. There's they nobody are, out there who's. If there's a story about you in the old west, it's because you were interesting as fuck. Most likely, like there's nobody. Like there, everybody else was either boring or dead. So like all the old west stories are pretty interesting. That's why they, they wrote are. about them. Absolutely, dude. And we still love to over romanticize them today. Mm -hmm. And you know that's what I was trying to do when I was putting together this timeline, like. I still wanted him to seem like this larger-than-life character, but I also wanted to be realistic as yeah. much as I possibly could, you know? Exactly. Um, and then who knows? Maybe he's better than what we even think. But overall, I think Butch Cassidy was a good dude that did some bad things. And I he did he some was, bad things, but he was pure of heart, like I said. Yeah, he wasn't... They, they, they do try to give him, like, a Robin Hood-type mm -hmm. persona, and that, that kind of does give him a little too much credit. Yes, he was stealing from rich people, from the cattle barons, from the land barons, from the, people, yep. from the train companies. He was stealing from them. But And yes, he did kind of. He would he would give out you know money to friends and acquaintances yep. and people who helped him. But he was not just stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. No, that was for his gang and themselves. Yep. And then whatever they had left over, they might toss some to the local bartender, to the brothels. But no, he wasn't really Robin Hood. But he's also not Jesse James. He's not, you know, robbing and shooting yeah. and killing, and or he's not at least. So yeah, he does have he he has like this kind of allure about him. Is like he does. He is more of an outlaw or more of just a, you know, kind and, of gray area. Yeah, and a lot of that allure, you know, that the, the righteous things that he did. It, I don't even know. I don't know about his reasons. I think a lot of it was because he was just narcissistic and wanted to be seen in a good light. So there 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 were these few lines that he wouldn't cross mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because he wanted to 
maintain this persona. But either way, you, like I've like me and Lauren had this discussion one time. I'm like, if somebody does good and they're a good person and they do things that make them a good person and society benefits from that, I don't care about their reasons. I really don't care. I don't care if you just want to be seen as a good person or if you're just fighting every urge to kill everyone and you're just keep doing good things. And mm-hmm. you just, if you have that kind of willpower, either way, good person, good person. Keep it all in your head. We don't know. <laughs> keep it all just, you know to, just keep the good things out here, bad things in here. Okay. Good That's things right. out there, bad things. That's right. <laughs> keep the bad things in there. And yeah. speaking of good things out there, guys, I want to give you guys your new patrons a big true crime guys. Thank you. Andy, you ready to do some patron shout outs? I think so. Let's do it. Yeah, we always shout out the new patrons every month, and we're going to continue to do that. So we're going to go all the way back to, let's see, today's the, we're recording on the 24th. Let's go back at least a month. Let's go back to January 23rd, my birthday. Oh, happy birthday. It was a month ago. I didn't tell you then. No. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. I hate my birthday. Uh, Yeah, Uh, me too. So here we go. Let's go down through some of these lines. Can you see them from there, Andy? I can see them. I got these new glasses. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot you got new subscriptions. Subscriptions. I'm going to read. Subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) What? Prescriptions. (laughs) Whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But let's go on here and let's shout. We're going all the way back to January 23rd. Like we say, if we miss somebody, let us know and we'll get you on the next episode. But I want to give a big thank you to Nomada Savaga, Amy Yu, Rose Newcomb, Brandy Romanelli, Erica Marie Granado, mm. Keely Welford, Carissa Gagnon. Gagnon? Gagnon. Uh, style. Gagnon. Conan Wright. Conan. Uh, Justin. Carly. <laughs> Just Justin. Just Justin, man. Just Carly, uh, Carla Wyke, uh, Nia Lingo, Sydney Simpson, Sierra Gadskill. You want to read a couple of these? I think I can take over from here. We got Miss right. Linda Greenwood, yes. Heather Lee, nice. Jordan Bulcher, Belcher, Bueller, Bueller. You nailed Bueller. it in one of those. Bueller. Deborah Fields. We have Casey, A. Casey. Mm-hmm. Just, just, a, just a Casey. It's a Casey. It's, it's one of the Casey's. It's, it's one a, of the Casey's. It's a Casey. Yep. Uh, Crystal, mm-hmm. Robbie Rip. Colin Simpson, Elise Pantino, Seth Beach, Wade Prince, Vexy, Vexed, 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 but it's a capital, it's a weird, yeah, Vexed Devlin, Vexed Devlin, aka Sirius Next Vex, nope, Devin, (laughs) we'll just go with Vexed Devlin, Devlin, Uh, Carol, 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 that's right, keeping it classy, Carol, Carol, Jared Hill, Jared Hill, Kim Waldmack and <laughs> Robert Edmonds. For some reason, it sent two emails for Jared Hill. Jared, you might have signed up twice. Either way, thank you. Thank you. Uh, we, l- yeah. we like you just as much. As always, thank you guys for all of your, your support, mm-hmm. especially right now, especially as me and Andy are kind of getting our bearings, figuring out how we're going to split up the workload and you know stay consistent for you guys. But we do have a plan in place. We are planning ahead. And... We are, I'm, dude. I'm exhausted. Honestly, I know it's been. We still got to do. We still got to do JTV, and then we got to finish up Sandu stories. We got a long night ahead of us. So, guys, we're gonna jump off here. Hope you enjoyed this hour and forty minute episode. Wow, <gasps> oh, oh, I need not some bad. Water. Not bad for Patreon. I know my water's gone. <laughs> you got one more thing for us, Michael. <laughs> No. Just one more story, Michael. <laughs> I got no more stories. Come I can on, touch. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you all, Patreon listeners. And again, we will be uh, posting some different things about the upcoming live stream that we will be doing for JTB. Uh, that again will be on when you guys are seeing this it will be tomorrow on the on what was it May 1st or March uh, 1st March 2nd March 2nd I believe so yeah guys tune in for that live stream yes. we'll try and get all the links posted for that and we'll try to answer all your questions when you give them to us right then so yep you can be right there just talking shit to us the whole time so Great. go for it 
All right. Anything else? I think we're all pretty good right now, man. I'm, I'm getting hungry. That's so it. Some beans. Give me like a little bean can. It's like some old prospector sitting around a campfire. Yeah, that's what when you want. Some beans yeah. and weenies. Yeah, get some beans around a campfire, Michael. Good stuff. Get that banjo. Start telling me a story. All right. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we're out of here. We'll see you next week back on the free platform. All right. So just keep creeping. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to check out all the other shows on our TCG network, as well as subscribing to our YouTube channel. Starting every Monday with new episodes of Strange and Unexplained, followed every other Tuesday by our audio drama podcast, Sandu Stories. Then, of course, new episodes of True Crime Guys every Wednesday. And if that's not enough, head on over to our Patreon, where you can have access to hundreds of hours of exclusive content, including older episodes, strange shorts, the latest edition of Sandu Stories, and, of course higher thoughts. But until next time, guys, keep creeping. You hush your mouth, boy.